Welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined as always by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, what's up? How's it going, man? Uh, we are living, Patrick. We are back in the great city of New York, uh, the Big Easy. Um, it's good to be back here. I am fresh off a weekend uh, in Charlotte uh, for a bachelor party. And uh, man, I don't know if I have the goods anymore. I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I, I am like, I came back home. I had to build a desk. My, I am like, dude, my back is cooked. I'm, a, I'm becoming an old man very quickly. You heard it here first, folks. Ryan no longer has the goods. He's washed. Ryan is officially washed, which is not good because the season is just about to start. Usually, this is the time where you want to be operating near or at peak form. Yeah, and we, we're sort of doing something opposite, which is fun. Unfortunately, Mick Marotti has been conducting our training for yeah. uh, for this podcast, which is not great. Yeah, I was um, uh, last Saturday. I was out at a Utah State scrimmage taking pictures, and I had sort of the same experience of like, oh god, I'm not in the I'm not in the 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 form. It's that turf, do dude. People don't yeah. realize how like standing on turf for three or four it's hours hot. just cooks your back. Yeah, it's it's really really hot on the field. It it, it had to be. 90 95 ish um and those yeah, those it, little black pellets they get so fucking hot and so your oh, feet dude. are hot it's it's really even when i was like but even when we, we were like 19 i mean you're basically still 19 years old but like yeah. when i was like you know 19 20 years old and like i was my back was so cooked from doing that like yeah. it's it's hard dude i don't know how um, i don't know how those guys play a football game this is a good way to start our football podcast i don't know how the <laughs> fuck anyone plays football ever when it's hot out it's miserable I want to see that, like, the Alabama beat did, like, there were, like, a, I don't know, I guess it was sort of mentioned during the press conference today, because, like, four or five Alabama writers were all talking about, um, like, how they had, like, five or six players, like, sub out of practice for a while because of heat exhaustion, mm-hmm. and, like, how those guys are trying to, like, try to keep them cool, and they're working on a cooling program. Like, it's intense, dude. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. Um, yeah. Couldn't be me. I'm not built for that anymore. Uh, I watch games from the sanctity of my couch. Uh, I already have the TV set up over the season. I haven't prepared. I have a permanent dual TV setup now uh-huh. uh, with preparations to roll in a third one as needed, uh, you know, for the, for the right weekends. Yeah. Someday you and I, were going to make the, uh, the combination balkanization of the United States slash uh, which program will become power after global warming really hits. Um, we're going to do that episode and that'll be really fun. We're going to talk about yeah. the empire of Minnesota that's soon to come. Can't wait, dude. I can't wait till, till it's back. Uh, we're just doing Felix Biederman bits except for college football. Yeah. I'm confusing him. Yeah. yeah it'll be good. Um, <laughs> uh, Patrick, we are here to talk about the Pac 12, but more than that, we're here to talk about the glorious empire meet at midfield.com, uh-huh. uh, our college football website. More than that? Uh, we're... <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Two hours on uh, meet at midfield ads, 15 minutes on the Pac 12. <laughs> I see him more than that referring to the, the conquerors of the Iberian Peninsula uh, uh, in the 10th century. Yeah. Um, uh, we so, are yeah. Moorishly conquering college football um, with our, <laughs> our mm-hmm. savage army of posters. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're adopting the architecture and we're, we're, you know, we're kind of revolutionizing it um, where, you know, you, you get, you know, Moorish history. You're a big Moorish history guy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's no, why but, I have nothing to add on it is because everything that you said is perfect. I have no, yeah, it's, so you, you, you hit it spot on. I'm a scholar of it and you hit it spot <laughs> on. So we are, we are in full like season mode at this point, Patrick, you and I, mm-hmm. I think as of this week are gearing up the two podcasts a week, for the rest of the year. Yep. Um, or at least through, through championship week. Yeah. Um, so we are, we're pretty much hooking now, dude. We're in the season. Um, the Pac-12 previews that we're about to talk about right now have all been published and written from the website. 
Um, we are coming with the SEC and Big Ten previews in the next couple of weeks. We have a really cool episode coming with our buddy uh, Bill Landis uh, this week as well. Um, dude, we are basically we are in the thick of it. We are ready to go. Yeah, uh, it's kind of it's it's. <laughs> I mean, everything's coming right now. Yep, yep, it's here. And what better place to start this episode than with? Um, I would assume Arizona. Are we going to Arizona first here? We we are really looking forward to that. Though I do want to say, um, by time this podcast publishes, I am doing a special podcast only coupon. We are not going to tweet this. We're only going to hear it in the podcast. Um, if you are a free listener of ours and you use the code flipping the field, all one word for the website, um, you can get a fifty percent off discount for a semi annual hour membership. Um, it is available to you guys only. Again, that is the code is flipping the field. It's podcast only um, for midfield.com. Uh, it's perfect time to join. Look, if you listen to the podcast, but don't post on the website, uh, it's the best time to be there. I mean, we have incredibly great boards, uh, guys posting every week. The preview boards are already, you know, the preview threads are already rocking too. Um, in terms of the analysis preparation for and kind of diving into the season, uh, there's nowhere better to be. It's not nearly as like overrun by boomers and dickheads as the average team board. Let's you kind of talk about the entire sport, which I think most listeners of this podcast love to do. Um, it really is the best time to get on there. And again, that code is flipping the field, all one word, 50% off. Yep. Yep. And then also we probably should shout out real quick home field apparel, uh, homefieldapparel.com. Mm, so true. Use the code meet at midfield for 15% off your first purchase. You could buy a shirt, you could buy a sweatshirt, you could buy pants, hats. They got other things as well. I don't know if they have any bomber jackets in stock, but they have those in theory. Um, homefieldapparel.com, it is high quality collegiate vintage apparel for just about every team that you could possibly want it for. Um, I don't know what the what the ones coming out this week are. I did not look at the email. Do you know? Um, they just dropped the Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri ones. I just saw those were sick. I don't know what's coming up this week. Hard to know. Uh, we should have checked on that. Um, <laughs> I the, can, the, we can pull up the Twitter account right the now. The UIC uh, Flames? I don't know what UIC is, but they have oh, the Incarnate UIC. Word. Okay, so they've got the Incarnate Word uh, collection, if you're a big Incarnate Word head out there. Yeah. Um, and, and also, the draw for Kansas, Kansas State, and Mizzou is... It, it Nebraska just came out this past Saturday. Nebraska, up too. yeah, they're doing uh, looks like volleyball day for Nebraska this weekend. So it's it's okay. a little bit of a quieter week. But if you're into Nebraska volleyball, which I know is very very big there, um, yeah, why do they love that so much? What's up with that? I think they just need a win. <laughs> I think that they just <laughs> basically as a program, as a school, as a as a people, they just need a win, and they decided that volleyball was a good place to do it, and so there they are. It's like Indiana with basketball. So true, dude. So true. It's, and that's the only reason they like it. There's no yep. other reason. Yep. Um, it's just really out of convenience and cowardice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not good at football, it's a moral failing on your part. <laughs> we, we have, this has been our official position and I do unironically believe it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, anyway, homefieldapparel.com. They don't, their football <laughs> team is not good. And so morally it's their fault. Um, but yeah. uh, meet at that's why they hired coach. Taylor too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They wanted to get a little bit of, they wanted to get a taste of success in there. They wanted to know. Oh no, they're, no, no, no. That's the opposite. They're trying to drag Michigan back down. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. That, that could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I look forward to when you get hired by home field apparel and they turn their eyes to the Buckeyes. Um, but homefieldapparel.com, use the code meet at midfield for 15% off your first purchase. Ryan, let's talk about Arizona. Let's talk about the Cats. Yeah, we do have to talk about them. Yeah. Um, they won five and seven last year under Jed Fish. Um, Jed Fish, you, of course, you're a big fan of his. Uh-huh. Uh, he's famous for founding the band Fish, felt the same way. Um, big jam band guy. Um, look, he, he had a pretty good offseason. I'll say this. Like they, I mean, they they did lose a couple transfers, which sucks. 
Uh, they lost Dorian Singer, and uh, uh, who went as a wide receiver to USC. Uh, Christian Roland Wallace also transferred within the conference, and Paris Shand uh, transferred to LSU, their defensive lineman. Mm. Um, losing those three suck, uh, really. I mean, Singer was probably the best of that group. Um, he was the only player on that team who made first or second team all Pac-12 last year, mm. which, to be fair, is a bit silly. Jacob Cowain and, and Tetuar McMillan were fantastic, but I'll digress from that. Um, that they is, lost seven. That oh, is ahead. pretty silly. If yeah. you're not gonna, if you're not gonna do all three of them in the in the made up offense that has just a bunch of fake stats, why pick one? <laughs> like, just do all three or don't do any of them. You don't need to. What's the point of taking a moral stand here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll say this for them: they're recruiting well. Um, Fish also retained most of his staff. They lost one assistant. Um, he's actually had a pretty remarkably consistent staff. They've only had three coaching staff changes in three years now. Hmm. Um, God, it's been three which years is, already. That's crazy. Yeah, third year of Jeff Fish. Yeah. Um, you, you hate to see that. You really do. Yeah. But I'll say this. Look, we know what this program is, right? They're an offense-first program. The defense will suck. Um, it's going to suck worse than it did last year, probably. Uh, they lost seven of their top eight players in the defensive front in terms of snap count. Uh, they lost all but two of their starters in the secondary. They lost their best offensive weapon. They lost two offensive line starters. Um, they have some work to be done, but the core of the program does come from really Jane Delara throwing the ball around the yard to Jake McCowan to Dwyer McMillan, which yep. is still going to happen. Yep. Uh, right. I mean, they, to their credit, they were 11th in yards for play last season. Um, they have one really good O lineman beside, like, I mean, look, there aren't many good players on that team that aren't involved in the passing game, but th- their offensive tackle, Jordan Morgan, is an NFL player, in my opinion, and a pretty good, pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like him a fair bit. Um, we could have, Look, this is exactly who you think Arizona is, right? Like, they're awesome between the 20s because they throw the ball really well explosively. Um, they cannot finish drives. They don't score explosively. They were 48th in scoring offense. This might be an 11th in yards per play uh, because they had, you know, pretty bad play calling. They can't run between the tackles. Yeah. Uh, and their red zone failures were pretty rough. Jaden Delora um, is also not super reliable to make good decisions. <laughs> Jaden Delora has, no. has some real stinkers sometimes. He has some really great moments too, but he um, – he's not super safe with the football and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I just, I don't really trust him at all. I just don't really trust him. It's hard to blame you for that. I mean, he, like you said, he kind of is who he is at this point. He's been, you know, he's been starting for three seasons and already has 26 interceptions. Uh, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's not great. Well, and and one of those seasons would have been 2020, which I don't believe was a full football season. So I, I, that's, that's yeah, he played four games that year. Oh, good. <laughs> and, ha- and had four interceptions. Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah, his interception rate last season was almost 3%. It was 2.98%, which is just sky high. He had like, like anything over two is is not ideal. He had like 13, didn't he? He had like 13 interceptions on the season. Just, 13 interceptions. That's too many, man. That's way too many. Yeah. Can't be doing I, that. I do think, in his, in his, to his credit, he is improving at ball placement. Like he, he is hitting some really pretty touch throws. Like he really was just an air raid merchant before this, who is yeah. like distributing slants and, and crossing routes, but yeah. he has gotten a lot better down the field. Um, he's also helped by the fact that Dorian Singer and Dwarf McMillan have just unlimited catch radiuses, like just two of the freakiest go up and get it guys in the country. Yeah. Um, he loses one of them. <sighs> these guys, these guys suck, right? They're like, they're of like the lower class, of the pac 12, which is about five of the teams. They're probably the best of that underclass, yeah. but they're not actually good. They just happen to have an easy schedule and are a bit ahead of the curve with the other teams they play. Um, 
And we can get to that schedule if you want, but I mean, I, there's nothing much to say about Arizona because they're a known quantity, right? Like yeah. they're going to throw the football a lot. They can't finish drives. They can't play defense. That's who they are. Yeah. And, and maybe if they start being able to finish drives, then they could contend for a bowl game, which they were close to last year. I mean, they, they were five and seven. Um, I, yeah. I, I would say I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say that they suck. I don't like them. Obviously. I don't think that they are. I don't think that they're built to do anything other than get roughly around six and six, which is just, I don't think a good way to exist as a power five football program. It seems like no. kind of just a waste of everybody's time. Um, but like, yeah, of the bad teams in this conference of the lower tier of this conference, they have something that some of the other ones don't, which is one really good unit. The offense is going to put up points. The offense is going to gain yards against just about everybody it plays in the conference. Right. And like you said, the schedule is, is pretty favorable, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it is. I, I will say, like, I, I think to their credit, again, they do have, even without Singer, they probably still have a top 10 or 15 receiver group in the country, too. Yeah. Um, like, very talented group there. And Delora is an above-average FBS starter. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, which is, again, not not a ton of credit. I'm trying to, I'm kind of damning them with faint praise here, but uh, whatever. We'll see. Look, the schedule, they play their, you know, annually required game against Northern Arizona. You know that lot, right? That one of the Arizona teams required to play them every year. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they, they have them to open cool. the season. That's a win. Um, they go at Mississippi State in week two. Um, Mississippi State is losing a lot. It has obviously a new coaching staff with Mike Leach passing away. That's still a loss, right? This team is going to physically bully them. Um I will say the one that, oh, the current I was going to make, by the way, before I forget, yeah. is that Arizona is basically what like Shane Beamer, South Carolina would look like if Shane Beamer was not located in SEC country with SEC sized and physically talented yeah. linemen on both sides of the ball. Yeah, like this is what soft Shane Beamer football looks like. Mm-hmm. Or if you put, which is if you put maybe this approach at Ohio State, it would be like what Ryan Day is doing. No. Whatever. North Arizona, one and oh. At Mississippi State, one and one. Yeah. UTEP, week three. UTEP probably not able to take on these guys at home. Yeah. Um, but might be a fun football game. Might be a couple, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Could be okay. Uh two and one. They go at Stanford, who is a truly we're gonna have them in a few minutes here, but a truly awful team yeah um they have nothing cocaine it's that's three and one um the next three games are not going to go awesome i would say that <laughs> i would say the next five games are not going to go awesome that's true that's true i and really you know six of the next seven yeah yeah it's gonna be a tough stretch of the season because after they get through stanford september 23rd they get washington at home usc on the road a road trip to wazoo a bye week oregon state at home and ucla at home um, they are allowing an average of 43 points in those games. And yeah. yeah, I think it's probably over. Maybe they get Washington state or maybe they pull off a weird upset, but I think that one is probably the maximum there. And I, I don't yeah. know how likely that is. Um, it's... And, and I don't love Wazoo this year, but to their credit, like the one thing they have is a good secondary. So it's probably not going to work for Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably over here, which would put them at what? Three and six. Uh, that is correct. Three and six. Yeah. Going into that Colorado trip. Look, I think they beat Colorado, but they could absolutely lose that game. Yeah. I don't think um, it's impossible, especially after losing five in a row, probably not many of them being close. I, I, that's a, 
it's not fun to go up to Colorado, even if Colorado's probably not going to be very good this year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say they probably get either one of those five or Colorado. I, I think that they get, they, you know, I could see either one happening. Um, but I'd say. And also, what's the difference, difference between Colorado and Arizona, to be honest? Like, um, with Travis Hunter and two, you, I, I understand the answer is more scholarship players. Yeah. I was, I was going to say um, three years, <laughs> three years of recruiting, basically. Probably, but like, the only thing Arizona has is basically it's two receivers and it's quarterback. That's I right. don't think the receivers are quite as good as Colorado at Colorado, but like you do have two competent receivers, the USF kids and you have Travis Hunter. Yeah. Uh, and Shadur Sanders is a better quarterback than Jane Delora. Oh, like, I don't know about that. I would like to see him play at the FBS level before I say that. Look, I understand the, the hesitancy, Put on the film and watch some of those balls he threw last year. Like, yeah. he, like the first year he played, not much going on the way he improved in terms of his touch and vision it was pretty pretty nuts yeah we'll see i i like i like shadur sanders people know that but i would just i would like to see him play at this level before i'm putting him over like quarterbacks anybody who isn't actively bad basically yeah um fair enough okay we'll we'll say four and six going into going into utah and then add arizona state to close the season yeah, I, I think, I guess my instinct here is they drop one of Colorado and Arizona State because they're kind of an embarrassingly run program. Yeah, uh, they're both on the and road. And finish. Yeah. yeah, and so they finish five and, or they finish four and eight, right? Four and eight, okay. Yeah, maybe they maybe they do flip an upset in there at some point. I mean, they're going to have, what, seven shots to pull an upset um, with those five games and then Utah at home and at Mississippi State. They probably, with that offense, they probably get one of them to go to five and seven. I don't think that's impossible. They went five and seven last year. Okay. Well, Mark, you guys, Jetfish fan of the podcast, you can uh-huh. own him. Yeah. Uh, five and seven is the answer. I'll allow it. I, that's why I had them at originally, but the more I looked at them, I, I just felt bad about it. Yeah. Um, I love to feel, it feels love like to feel pro- bad about being higher on a team than I. <laughs> like, it's just, I need to get lower on these guys right away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think the sad part is like a two year five and seven plateau is probably the peak of the Jetfish program, right? It's probably Jesus. not getting any better. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I don't feel, yeah, I don't feel especially good about where this is headed because what they're going to have to get a new passing attack here pretty soon. That's, yeah, I don't feel great about that. They're recruiting at an okay level relative to where they have yeah. been, but you that's not really going to make that big of a difference when you're still one of the least talented teams in the new, you know, the in the Big 12. So what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, they did, I'm pulling up their, their class rank here because I'm I curious. Think, I, think they're doing pretty, the... I think they're doing pretty well so far from, from what I remember. Um, yeah, I'm sure they signed, um, <laughs> they signed the ninth best class in the Pac-12 last uh, year, well, 2023. Maybe not. Um, I think they signed, let's see, in 2022, they had the third best class. That's oh. impressive. Those guys are going to be sophomores. Yeah. Um, currently in 2024, um, they have fewer than 10 commits. They are in the not ranked section. Oh, um, well, that's not good. That's not <laughs> enough commits at this point. <laughs> you're going to have a few more commits at this juncture, I think. Yeah, um, they all signed a bad class. Basically, they signed one really good class okay. in 2022. Mm. And, uh, and I yep, well, I guess a lot of that 2022 <laughs> class was also the transfer core, right? Because that gets factored in. Mm. Um, yeah, that's mm. true. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. Yeah. Maybe enjoy this one last ride here, Arizona, <laughs> before things get <laughs> before things get really nasty. Let's Let's hope that API is high enough to uh or oh, AP, APR yeah. one of API. Those. 
AP. I think it's. I don't think it's API. I think it's APR. APR is I the think API the is like a house card. thing. That's the ish. Is that a which one, one of the two? one of the one, I don't know. NPR. Let's see. It is APR. Yeah, yeah, it's academic progress rate or something like that. It could have easily been academic progress index. There's no. I mean, come on. They just um, make, they're just making. That doesn't mean anything. Academic progress rate. That's nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you throw development in there? We need, yeah, we need more made-up yeah. words. Academic development and progress rate. Just throw in a bunch of those fucking words that don't mean anything. <laughs> Come on. Grow up. Um, speaking of coaches who suck and don't mean anything, uh-huh. uh, we're moving across the state to Arizona State. Yeah. Um, Herb Edwards is gone in disgrace. They hired <laughs> Kenny Dillingham. Um, Patrick, I want to talk about this one because Dillingham – He's kind of a hire we made fun of a little bit. Yeah. Well, he's like he basically he's, he's like twenty eight. He's he's a, he's a baby. He's, a he's baby I man. think he's my I think he is twenty nine years old. I'm double checking. Or he was twenty nine. He got hired as oh see he's maybe thirty two now. Let's see he's thirty three wow. now. Wow, he uh, aged a um, lot in his last seven months. <laughs> he, uh, it's like being the good. president. You age four years every year that you're the head coach at Arizona State. Very good, Patrick. Yep. <laughs> um, he's 33. Um, look, this is the genre of hire teams like to make, where it's just like the young OC who's done pretty well somewhere and gets excitement and, oh, yeah. he's going to run an open offense. Recruits he, are going to flock to it. He understands and, the state. Yeah, he's hiring high school coaches because he understands the state and not just because he doesn't know who else to hire. That, that's that's what I want to get to here. Yeah. These hires he made are fucking insane. <laughs> it's a very right? funny staff. Like, yeah, this is a very funny staff. The I'm not going to get into all the assistants because, like, whatever. Like, if you want to hire a high school coach or two, like, it's worked for other places. I get, there is appeal to that. I get why they do it. Like, it worked for Ohio State yeah. uh, in the past with Kerry Combs. It's worked for... Mm. Uh, it's worked for UTSA, right? It's worked yeah. for programs across all ranges of college football. Yeah, Arizona um, there is a place is... with a with a burgeoning high school recruiting base, and you'd probably want to be in on that, right? Like it may, it makes it makes some sense, but um, maybe not as much as they have here. It's, they've they've hired a lot of high school coaches and a lot of guys who hey, how... who don't really have a whole lot of other value to them other than recruiting. And, and more importantly than that, if you're going to do that, you have to have some really good coordinators who know how to run the show, and they did the opposite of that yeah um they hired some very very bizarre coordinators um they're starting with brian ward as their dc and bo baldwin uh as their oc do you know about these guys at all uh we talked about um i think we might have talked about both of them on a show not too long ago um baldwin was the guy who had some of the worst p5 offenses ever at cal um, and then went four and twenty one as the head coach at Cal Poly uh, before coming here. He kind of flamed out. He used to be a pretty well thought of coach. It was it was a big hire when Cal got him. I remember that. And then it did not work at all. He's he was an air raid guy for a long time. I don't know if he still does that. Um, yeah. And then Ward, I know less about, but you were telling me about him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but how'd they come up? Why was I talking about them? I don't remember. It, we, we do so many podcasts. and Yeah. Once we, We've talked about this before. Once we say anything on this show, we do not remember it. It's gone. It leaves our brain forever. Right. Um, well, the thing about Ward is he's been a defensive coordinator at the college level since 2015 and has basically had nothing except uh, terrible results. Um, he's in eight years of FBS coordinators, never had a single top 30 defense. In fact, four of his units, fully half of them, we're ranked 86, the worst in scoring defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been tremendously bad. Uh, he was at Wazoo most recently. 
Uh, they were not very sad to see him go. I'll tell you that. Like, that was fine that he left. He was there for one year. Spent two years at Nevada before that. Uh, a few years at Syracuse. No one remembers those famous Syracuse defenses, right? There's really nothing cooking there. Yeah. Um, then they also, like I said, they also hired uh, uh, Bo Baldwin on the offensive side. You alluded to his background, but I mean, he produced some of the worst offenses in Pac-12 history in that three-year run at, at Berkeley, right? It was, they mm-hmm. went four and 21 at Cal Poly when he was the head coach. Like the last thing to find a good offense from him is like the 2000, sorry, the 2010 FCS national championship, Eastern Washington. That was the last time he ran a good offense. Um, yeah, that was a while ago. <laughs> that's a while ago. I do at least like the Rashad Samples hire. Yeah. Who's their passing game coordinator. Um, he was with the Rams and SMU. Yeah, he um, he was very very well thought of at SMU and less well thought of with the Rams, from what I have gathered. Um, correct. Yeah, which is fine because the the good news is Arizona State doesn't compete with the Rams; they compete with SMU. So it, it's uh, as at the college level. Yeah, I think Samples is a good hire. Sure. Um, here's the other problem aside from having mostly bad coaches and guys who aren't experience at all because Kenny Dillon doesn't know anybody and none of these young coaches do which is why you shouldn't hire them uh they also don't have any players Patrick oh, um well <laughs> why didn't they get any players they should have done that they had all they, you had all off season what, what do you mean it's not done yet what do you mean you haven't even started on getting players <laughs> it's August <laughs> <laughs> they they lost their starting quarterback or starting running back they lost all three interior line starters they lost their top six defensive linemen, their top three linebackers, and three of their top five defensive backs. Yeah. Basically, everywhere except receiver and tight end is brand new. Yeah. Um, they have one really good receiver, or at least like a, a good power five receiver, maybe I don't know if NFL guy or not. But I like Elijah Badger. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays really hard, really physical receiver. Um, I mean, just a tough motherfucker, basically. Yeah. I do like him. Um, I don't like anything else about this team like yeah there's not a whole lot else to like i mean they weren't good last year and so you could say that you know losing guys from that team isn't the end of the world but it's not like they brought in a whole bunch of guys who we would really like right it's it's i don't it seems like they basically just had to backfill to try and get to 85 it's not i don't think that they really came in with a super strong plan for how they were going to do this they just kind of filled spots where they had to yeah, I mean, you brought it. You're Drew Pine as a starting quarterback here. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Why'd you get that? Why'd you do that? You can't. <laughs> Come on, Drew Pine. He, Drew he wasn't Pine. even. He wasn't even good. He's five foot ten, and also he wasn't good. You can you can be one or you can be the other, but you can't be both. Come on, this is an FCS quarterback. What are we doing here? Yeah, I mean. I don't know what to say, dude. It's Drew, it's really bad. Drew uh, Pine is your pick. They went from Emory Jones to Drew Pine. Just no no worry at all about playing playing well at quarterback. Who cares? Um, it uh, it's also it sounds like, like he the was, only thing you have access to out there is receivers and quarterbacks. It sounds like, like receivers, has, quarterbacks, and defensive backs. The whole are the whole West Coast. Yeah, it seems like he's been injured as well through fall camp. So it might end up being Jaden Rashada, who is a four star uh, freshman. Um, yeah, I think is, Jacob Conover is buying, you know, like battling there too. Yeah, boy, none of those options are good. I liked, I liked Rashada, but not as a true freshman. I don't. I, that's uh, no. Yeah, none of this is none of this is good news. And we, we saw that already. We already saw this play out. Like they got Jaden Daniels, who basically is just Rashada in terms of like recruiting profile. Yeah, and he played pretty well for them. Like I'd say, really well for them at times. But then, like the program is so shitty around him. That he's like, and they're going to fire their coach in two or three years. He's like, oh, this sucks. Let me go play somewhere where I can actually win games. Yeah. And you don't even get the benefit of getting him as a freshman. 
Like this just won't work. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, Dillian Hamm's going to be fired in three or four years. Go back to being the Memphis offensive coordinator. It's, it's already written. It's done. Um, uh, we can talk about them, I guess, because we have to, but let's just do the schedule because I don't want to spend any more time with these losers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I would guess the defense is also going to be bad. There's, there's really not a whole lot worth mentioning yeah. on this team. There's, there's a couple defensive it. ends. Yeah. It's whatever. Yeah. But this is, this might be the, well, Stanford. Hmm. This is one of the Stanford. worst teams in the Pac-12. This is one of the worst Power 5 teams, I think. The, the roster is bare, and they didn't really do much to change it. Yeah, Stanford, Colorado, and Arizona State are all really depressing. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk schedule. They get Southern Utah okay. to open the season. That's a win. And then it's bad news from there. Everything else after Southern Utah is bad news. <laughs> they have a couple chances, but not many. Yeah. Uh, they get Oklahoma State at home, which is a loss. Oklahoma State, I do think, is dog shit, but they're not losing to this team. Yeah. Um, they probably lose to Fresno State, right? I guess you're more up on Fresno State this year than I am. I don't think they're beating Fresno State. Yeah, they get them at home. I don't imagine that this defense is going to have a whole lot going, even against a Fresno State team that has a whole lot to fix on offense or a whole lot to replace on offense, rather. Um, and Fresno State's defense should be really good, which is going to be a problem for Arizona State because its offense is, is bad. Um, yeah, I, I would think that that's probably a pretty close game, but I don't think Arizona State's going to win it. Yeah, okay. So one and two, then USC comes to town, which is one and three. Um, they go at Cal, which is like Fresno State winnable. Fresno State's basically the same team as Cal, um, just a defense with, with no offense. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if I would say that about Jeff Tedford team, <laughs> but sure. Uh, this year, I don't think Fresno State's much of an offense this year. We'll see. Um, yeah, so Cal, I think, is also a loss, and also it's on the road, uh, so it's even more of a loss. This is a super loss. You're not winning this game, so that would be one in four going to – uh, a pretty big home game with Colorado. Pretty big, I say, because there's not going to be a whole lot of other chances to win games this season. Yeah, if, if they lose this game to Dion, which is one of Dion's only winnable games too, yeah. um, it's 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 clear it's curtains, right? Like yeah. they're not winning the rest of the season, pretty much. Um, I think they they probably get this game. I'll, I'll say at home, I'll give it to them. I would agree. Um, I think it could be a good game. Like I think this actually might be a compelling game between two bad teams. Uh-huh. Um, sort of a bum fight situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah. I, I'm actually uh, God help me. I'm kind of talking myself into Colorado over Arizona State. No. I won't do I, it. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna yeah, take Arizona State. I'm gonna I'm gonna say two and four here heading into um five straight losses. They have the same thing here where they have five straight losses against like the five five of the best teams in the conference because um, they go to Washington, they host Washington state, and then they go to Utah and UCLA. They host Oregon before hosting Arizona to end the season. That's five losses yeah. going into the Arizona game, which we said they're going to lose. Um, that's two and True. Do we think, here's a question. Do we think it's reasonable to say between getting Fresno state and Fresno state, Washington state, Arizona at home and Cal on the road, they can get one of those four. Yeah, probably. That would be what three and nine then. Give them three and nine, just yeah. kind of bump it up one. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, probably three and nine. Um, not a great debut season, and honestly, I don't think there's even going to be a whole lot to be excited about from this season. I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing where like, oh, really coming on strong late at the end of the season here. Like, no, you're going to get your your ship pushed in four times or three times in the last four games, and then you're going to have to go play your rival. Like, that's not good. Yeah. That's not a good way to end your first season at Utah, at UCLA, and Oregon at home before playing uh, Arizona. And it's like, no. Oregon also knows what you're going to do. Oregon knows you because you were just the offensive coordinator there. It's not good. This is not a good setup. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of all they've... <laughs> There's just, they don't do anything unique, right? Yeah. They're trying to do the same thing that seven other teams in the Pac-12 are doing, and they're not going to get better talent from them, and they don't yeah. have better coaches than them. Yeah. This, so this what's is, the appeal? That's one of the things that I really hate about this kind of hire, about hiring a coordinator from within your own conference, especially from a power program in your own conference, is that you're not going to do it better than them, and you're not going to catch anybody by surprise. They know what you're doing, because they've already yeah. played it at Oregon. It's not going to be that the hard. The only reason, them. like, the only place it worked, I guess, say, is Purdue, like, with yeah. this kind of style of offense, because no one in the Big Ten West ran any kind of offense when they when they hired Braun. Yeah, um, and he hadn't been an assistant in the conference, so it was kind of new to that part of the conference. But, yeah, I, I just, sure. I don't I don't ever like, you know, like, like hiring, if you're in the Big Ten, hiring an Ohio State assistant or a Michigan assistant or a Penn State assistant, because you're not going to do it better yeah. than them. You're just not. And I don't yeah. know why Arizona State thinks. I mean, I guess it won't matter. Um, but even in the new conference, they're not going to do it better than Oklahoma State or Texas Tech or any of the schools that are in Texas that can recruit to this better than Arizona State can. So you're just wasting time. You, you it's not going to work. This is not. I uh, yeah. You can't. I think if, if I'm a, if I'm a lower level Power Five program, I just don't think fundamentally. I I really want to hire coordinators very much. Yeah. Like unless you have a, a perfect fit. I want to hire proven FBS head coaches yeah. who I know at least have the competency to run to run a program. I would, yeah, either that or a, co- a coordinator who does something different that opponents will have to prepare specifically for. Uh, but if you're just hiring a guy from a from a P5 program, like a, a major P5 program, a, a title contender or a near title contender, why do you think you why do you think he could just install that at your school? Your school's not there for a reason. It's not just that you're you know you just didn't have the right guy for it. Like Arizona State's not a power because it's Arizona State, not because they didn't have the guy from you know fucking Kenny Dillingham, right? Like it, it's it, it, the coach is not what you're missing here. Then coach is not going to be the thing that does this. It's a, it's a fundamental. It's you. It's an Arizona State problem, and, and a lot of yeah. You have to change your approach, right? Yeah. Like like Todd Graham. Todd Graham was a much better version of Dillingham at the time. Yeah, and he petered out too. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is just what they do forever, though. This is what Arizona State has pretty much always done, um, and it, it used to work better, I guess, because they had either either they had better coaches or just the recruiting landscape was different. Football was different too. Yeah, football yeah. was different. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know why this would work, and and I certainly don't think it's going to work this year. No, I agree. I don't even know what the answer is too, because like the talent you have access to kind of necessitates the system. Yeah. Like you can't like go run a power system in Arizona, really. Well, you don't yeah, really they, have those they, linemen. They, it seems like they aren't willing to do the air raid, which is what you would do if you were trying to recruit to that area, which is what Arizona is doing. Um, just not very well because the coach is bad. But like that's that would be the thing that you would do there. They're just not really willing to commit to it. It seems. Yeah, they're not trying anything. They're just they're just trying the same thing. Yeah, like a, just, just treading water. Just just it's milk toast, like basic level, quote unquote spread it out football with no real identity beyond that. Yeah. Um it's a there's fo- nothing here. Yeah, it's a football retirement home, which is why it's really funny that they just hired a thirty two year old. Go hire Mac yeah. Brown. You you are North Carolina of the of the West. You just hire coaches who are ready to die. It's it's yep. yeah, no Go hire no Urban Meyer. What yeah. He likes it. He would love to be there. He Urban don't run Meyer for would, sheriff. Yeah, Urban Meyer yeah. would love to be at Arizona State. That's <laughs> yeah. He and he and Sheriff Joe would get along so well. <laughs> they would. They, they would. Uh, all right. Speaking of a team who's at least trying to do something new here yeah. after being the same team for years on end, uh, we're on to Cal, Patrick, Cal, and Justin Wilcox. Um, Ten and eighteen run the past three years. Hmm. Um, they did fire their offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and tight ends coach from the offensive staff. 
Um, Tough to be the tight ends coach who gets fired for the offense being bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They brought in Jake Spavadol. Yeah, Yeah, I forgot about that. You just let all the wind out of my sails when you reminded me that I hired Jake Spavadol. I mean, at least he has an offensive identity, I guess. He's not good at it, though, is the thing. That's the issue that Texas State ran into is that yeah, you want that kind of offense. You want the high flying, the passing attack. You want the sort of air rated. But he's a weak version of it. Yeah, because yeah. he was a Holgerson guy at, at West Virginia, right? Um, but he wasn't good at it. Is the problem? He was bad at it. He was a bad offensive coordinator there, and also he was coaching under fucking Dana Holgerson, who calls his own plays. Come yeah. on. <laughs> this guy I, sucks. I mean, like, what they're doing here is they're just trying to run it back. Like, like he was basically the person who was responsible for the last time Cal had a good offense back in twenty six. 16. Yeah, that's been a long time since then, and, and like the game has been much more aware of what they're doing. The whole Pac-12 offense, that shit now. Yeah, it's not as effective as it used to be. Um, they did hire Tim Plow from Boise State, a tight ends coach and, and an offensive line and run game coordinator. They brought in Mike Bloch, who yeah. I kind of like for Texas. Yeah, um, he's a former Broyles nominee, at least or Broyles like watch list, whatever. Not nominee. Uh, he's Broyles nominee, not finalist. Mm-hmm. Um, at least a good assistant, right? I think that they made. It's it's not good enough, but it is probably an upgrade in what they were doing before. Yeah. Real quick, I want to just tell you who Jake Spavital has coached under as an offensive coach. I want you to stop God. me when you hear someone who doesn't call their own plays. Um, Gus Malzahn, Kevin Sumlin, Dana Holgerson, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Sonny Dykes, and then Dana Holgerson again. Any of those guys? Sonny Dykes, I guess. Sonny Dykes' credit has stopped calling his own plays, but I don't know if he stopped that when he had Spavadol. Yeah, I don't think he was doing that in 2016. I think he was still calling his own plays. Yeah, I think yeah. so, too. Yeah. Boy, hmm. that sucks. <laughs> that sucks, man. That's that not good at all. That sucks big oh, time. Oh, and, and Mike Gundy. He was a GA for Mike Gundy. Um, oh, cool. Cool. Yep. Good stuff. Well done. Great, great work, Jake. Yeah. Proud of you, man. I think he'll probably um, work really well under a defensive head coach who doesn't know anything about offense. I think that'll probably – this guy can definitely stand <laughs> on his own. Yeah. Come on. He also lost his quarterback. Uh, Jack Plummer's gone. Yeah. Well, he sucks. Uh, and also so that's their not best the end of the world. Re- yeah, fair enough. And also, their best receiver, uh, J. Mike Westerdevant, is over to UCLA now, transferred. Mm. Um, they still have Jeremiah Hunter, who I, I really, really like at receiver. And I think Jaden Ott is one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah. A really good pass catching back, too. Yeah, he's great. Um, but the problem is that, like, Cal's quarterbacks are all unknown. All of them have fewer than 200 FBS pass attempts. There's not really any like star power there in the recruiting world. Yeah, it's just like pick a guy, like just just you know flip a coin, pick a guy. It's, yeah, it's pretty much all you're doing. Yeah, it's not just unknown that like oh you know you like like the people who listen to this podcast would know about them, but most wouldn't. Like I don't know who these guys are, and this is my job. Yeah, right. Like these are nobodies. These are just guys. Like you said, these are just people who are here, and they're not even like. There's nothing here at quarterback. It's not like, oh, they brought in a, a flame out from another school who might be good here, who's like a former four-star. Like, no, these guys just suck. They're just, they got more bad Jack Plumbers. Like, they got a worse version of Jack Plummer. 100%. I mean, like, it's it truly is, there's fucking nothing. Like, they were talking about trying to go find a transfer quarterback, and they didn't really get anybody worthwhile. Yeah. Um, they brought in Sam Jackson, the fifth from TCU, who was, I think, the third quarterback on TCU's roster last season. Yeah. Um, behind Morris and uh, and Duggan. Yeah. There's just, uh, I don't really know what to say. Like, there's there's nothing at, like you basically have Jeremiah Hunter and Jade Knott and no one to get the ball to them. Um, I, I don't really know. 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, they I, brought in a guy from Ethiopia as okay. well, yeah. who moved here when he was like in elementary school. He's going to play quarterback. That's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. I think sure. their offensive line will get a little bit better. Like they were god awful last year, and Bloch again is a competent O line coach. Yeah. Um, he has four players back who have some certain experience. He's going to transfer from Stanford. Like, I think there's enough to say that the O line will be better. There are weapons to get the ball to if they can do it. But do they actually have a quarterback who can get the ball downfield? Like, like Stavitol loves the downfield version of this air raid. Yeah. He wants to throw the ball vertically. I don't think anyone on the roster can hit those throws. Yeah, I, I don't really have any reason to believe that they can. I do think the rushing attack is going to be decent. It's just, why'd you hire this guy if you're going to do that, right? Yeah. Why did you hire this version of this offense if you wanted to be a running team, which I think this team probably should be. I think structurally, this is probably a running team. I don't know why they wouldn't lean into that because that's not what Spavadol does. That's not what that system does. And and I don't really think he's even capable of doing that. I don't know why. I don't know why I would need to believe that he's never done it before. It's not something that right. he, like, it's not something he has any experience with. If Cal was being serious, they would look around the conference and realize that like everyone like this Stanford doing the Stanford thing where they got good O linemen who are like smart players and ran the fuck out of the football. It's not working for Stanford, not because that system doesn't work because they had bad coaches with no creativity and brought no one new in. And like Oregon state's doing it very well. Yeah. Wazoo does it. I mean, they were doing it for a bit and they just went back to the air like everyone else did. Like that could work at Cal with Stanford, not doing it. You could just be getting the guys that Stanford got. There's no reason that can't work. Yeah. Like you could become the new, like physically punishing team with like a bunch of like high three star, low four star, good academic offensive linemen. You could be doing that. That could work for you. Yeah. And there, um, there are lots of offensive coaches in the area who can do that. There's, I was just running through examples in my head and I had too many that it would even be worth like, like go to San Jose state, go down to the FCS level, go to like, there's a lot of schools that are doing something like this where they are running the ball well and they're embracing like what you're talking about but cal isn't doing that cal is doing something completely different and like you, you know you you want to credit wilcox for trying something new and like that's good but i don't think he knows why he's doing it i don't think he no, has any he, idea he's just for, yeah, yeah for what would be good he's just doing it to to do it because people were mad at him yeah um the other thing too is that wilcox's defense that was like the thing that kept them afloat before right is they always had a really good defense even yeah. when their offense sucked they got all the way down to 79th in scoring defense last year. Um, they really bottomed out. And part of it's because they had so many injuries last year, the defensive line. Uh, they had, it was, I'm going to the stats here, uh, five players who missed the majority of the defensive line who are previous contributors, like in the, in the two deep, yeah. that were out for the whole season last year, whole or most of the season. All of those guys come back. Um, they also have their actual defensive line starters. Um, they get three of their four linebacker starters back. But they appear to be grinding that two, four, five shit again. Yeah. Um, which with this personnel doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, they got the ball ran on them all day, which is hard to do in the Pac-12 because no one really runs the football. Uh <laughs> I don't know. They have four other five defensive back starters back here. Um, they brought in two transfers secondary. Like the talent is 100 percent here for this to be like I think a top 30 defense is not unreasonable. Yeah. But I don't know if their scheme fits their personnel right now. Yeah, basically everybody from last year is is back. They should be much better on defense, like objectively. They should be better on defense. Now, like you said, personnel-wise, I don't know how well it really fits what they want to do. 
Um, they do have some guys on this defense who I who I like. I like that they brought in Noel Williams, who is at um, UNLV. I think he's good at corner. Um, people are really high on Jackson Sermon at linebacker. Like there are some players here who I think are who the are kid, by the way. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but it just doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to fit super well. Yeah. And I mean, it's also pretty much, I'll say this, like it's do or die for Wilcox this year, right? Like he totally revamped the offense. He has his most experienced defense the last three or four years, like anything less than an above average defense with like a competent offense should result in a firing. I think it's pretty much that time. Does Cal do that? Do you think does Cal actually do that though? I guess probably not. You probably don't want to have coaching, t- coaching turnover when you have conference on, you know, lack of like, there's no clarity or stability and we're well, going to play football soon. So I guess they just ride it out. Yeah. It might, it but might like, hurt their, their coaching APR that I'm sure that that program carries out. <laughs> we can't have coaching turnover because then he won't graduate from grad school. <laughs> so true. So true. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like they should be pushed to make a bowl game this year, right? Like the bottom of the Pac-12 is so bad. Yeah, I would hope they have continuity. No one else does. Like you've got to make a fucking bowl game this year, dude. You have to do it. Well, let's see how they get there. Let's look at the schedule. Um, they start the season at North Texas, uh, which mm, is a win. Probably a win, right? North Texas is, is starting with a new coach. They're going to be the same team that they were last year. But um, then it's Auburn at home, which is a loss, right? Yep, and nice then, sacrifice for for Hugh Freeze's uh, demonic uh, altar. Yeah, hilarious to to watch Hugh Freeze coach a football game in in Cal's stadium. Love that. Uh, they didn't used to let people like him into that stadium until like 20, <laughs> 2011. You couldn't get in. They this, still shut it. They this, still shut it. This man is a vagrant. You can't come in here. This is Cal's football stadium. Um, and then they get Idaho at home, which is a win. So that's how about how about uh, Antifa Hugh Freeze, huh? Okay, that would be that would be really something. <laughs> what if he was at the woke Kenny Chesney concert? What what would that be like? Or or what if Hugh Freeze is, um, he's with Tim Pool. He's getting his his head knocked in by rocks allegedly by just himself, but claiming it's anti protesters. Yeah, that's kind of funny. That's yeah. actually a pretty Hugh Freeze move. Yeah, is like showing up at the next game. In a hospital bed, who said Antifa threw rocks at you? Yeah, that's kind of a Hugh Freeze move. That could work. That would be a fun press conference. He's got like the Bobby Petrino, the neck brace on, explaining <laughs> that he was he was attacked by local Antifa members. Um, he has his own thing. He had the hospital bed, right? That was it. Yeah, he was in the hospital bed. He was in the press. He was in the the press box calling the game from the hospital bed. That was cool. That's that is so that is a cool. Funny, dude. That is a cool. I love this story. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. Um, so anyway, two and one to start. Then they're at Washington, which is not going to be close. Um, dude, this like seven game stretches or six game stretches is tough. They they go. At Washington, home against Arizona State, home against Oregon State, at Utah, by week, USC, at Oregon. Why is like the Pac-12 are... doing this to all of its bad teams? <laughs> <laughs> Why do they all uh... have to play like U- Utah, USC, Oregon, Washington, Washington State, UCLA, like in a, in like a six-week span? Why are they doing this? <laughs> because the Pac-12 loves when it gets to like early November and has like five teams that are all Oh, and I got them for a playoff that all play each other and cannibalize all their chances. Yeah, yeah, they, they love, love to, to do that. They love to have five eight and O teams and then five O and eight teams when they're going into November. It's fun. It's cool to do that. Um, that uh, yeah. So it probably gonna we said they're gonna beat Arizona State, right? 
at home. Yeah, which yeah. gives that's three and two. Three and that's two. three and two going into that going into that four game slide against Oregon yeah, State, which Utah, is, USC, Oregon, which is three and six. Um, so now you have to win out to make a bowl game. Yeah, and uh, well, I'll say it here. I think they beat Wazoo. I, I'm not very impressed by Wazoo. Somebody, I, I think, yeah, somebody like, has to. Somebody has to beat Wazoo. I think this roster is better than Washington State's. Is I, I think they could. This is at home. I think they could win this game. I think they should win this game. Sure, four and, and six. I think they beat Stanford too. Yeah, uh, they beat on, Stanford on the road. Yeah, on the road. That's, Stanford is in a. We're going to talk about this. Stanford's in a bad place, so I, I think that's a win as well. Um, the issue with the winning out in those last three games is at UCLA to end the season. I don't think they're going to win that one. No, I, I think UCLA is being really overhyped by the media. I think they're probably going to go like eight and four this year, but it's because their schedule so bad. Yeah. This is not a very good football team. However, Cal is not even in the same ballpark as UCLA's talent. And UCLA, it's the last game of the season, so they have all year to figure out their shit. Yeah, um, this is this is really brutal for Cal too, because like you look at you know how what what games could they flip to get to six, and there's not a ton of good options. Maybe you get Auburn at home, maybe you get or you know Oregon State at home, but USC, I don't think you're going to get, and I certainly don't think you're going to win. That's that. a pretty funny Lincoln Riley loss. That's that's that like would be Cal good. becoming his new Kansas State is pretty funny. God. That would be really good, but and then it's at Oregon, at Utah, and at Washington. I don't think you get any of those three. And so, yeah, it really is. They need to either beat, you know, they need to beat one of Auburn, Oregon State, or USC. Um, or you need an injury game. You need someone's quarterback to get hurt. Yeah, like that's your only chance. Again, USC. We're all gonna we're all gonna watch <laughs> with bated breath that USC game. That seems like that does feel like. And a, you know that's that's a home game at Berkeley. It's Halloween weekend. There'll be like thirteen thousand people in the stands. No, it's gonna be a ten thirty yeah. Eastern kickoff. Caleb Williams was gonna be live streaming the game as he's playing in it. Yeah, that'll be good. Dude, did you see he? Uh, he, uh, this is a thing that I saw, like some USC fans came out about online that he went to a Drake concert during fall camp. Yeah. Um, I think that people he, say he's, he's not I, th- I think that he should have to go to jail. I, that is what I feel about Caleb Williams. <laughs> I think that he should have to go to jail. Um, I am not a Caleb Williams hater like you, but I, I do think if my like starting quarterback in an alleged like title season is like going to concerts during fall camp. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being like a football curmudgeon all of a sudden, but I don't know. I don't love that. Yeah, he's Get like the hotel. He's like yeah. if um he's like if CJ Stroud had a had like an anxiety disorder and also he was nearsighted. Um <laughs> Come on. Has none of, I'm not, he has no leadership and also he's not good at playing quarterback. It's a fun guy to kind of guy <laughs> this to have. This is ridiculous. It's a top three quarterback in college football. Hmm. He's a brilliant talent. You were being unserious. Mm-hmm. Um However, he is like CJ Shroud, fundamentally not going to be a winner. Yeah, he's um, not a serious. He's, he's a good, just not a serious he, he's person. Like Justin, you can't go to a Drake Justin concert Herbert with legs. You can't yeah. go to a Drake concert and be a serious person. You can't do it. It can't. It's not. It's it's a fundamentally unserious thing to do. You cannot catch me dead at a Drake concert no. uh, anymore. No. I went when I was twenty-one to uh, to the Drake versus Lil Wayne tour because I want to see Lil Wayne. Yeah. And that is the first and last time I'll ever see Drake in concert. I think that 2014 is the final acceptable year to go to a Drake concert. If you went after yeah. that, you are you are damned to hell. You are not <laughs> seeing the gates of hell. <laughs> we know Colton Denny's listening to this episode, too. Colton Denny, this is a call for help for you, brother. Yeah. You can stop anytime you want. Yeah. You don't have to keep doing this. It's Yeah, you, you, you just admit it. It's over. It's not going to be good anymore. <laughs> It's done. He gave up. He gave up. He just wants to play for Kentucky. That's the only thing he cares about. Just let Drake play yeah. for Kentucky. Just We can be done with this. We don't need to let him do this anymore. Anyway. What about a guy who thinks Drake's uh, not good because he's not anti-Semitic enough? Mm. Um, 
<laughs> I was just going to ask, it's, isn't Drake... It's, it's isn't Nick Drake, Stauskas. I was going to ask, isn't Drake Jewish? But I don't think he is. Is he? He is. Yeah, he's like part Jewish, right? Because he has the bar mitzvah video he did uh, <laughs> from the bottom. Of course he does. Of course he does. Drake has... He has a video for every single like cultural uh, celebration. Like he has a quinceanera. He's, had a, he's had a bar mitzvah. He, just, he does all well, of them. His quinceanera, he has attended several... But uh, yeah. more as a date of the of the uh, of the celebratory. <laughs> yeah, he's the guest person of honor. Than anything else. Yeah, he's the guest. Yeah. He's just going for fun. He wasn't even invited. <laughs> just he's like... a pedophile. He's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> folks, folks, this guy is a pedophile. He likes the kids. He's, he's just not a good guy fundamentally. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pedophiles and Colton Denning, uh we have the Colorado <laughs> preview. <laughs> Parody. <laughs> uh, Parody, non-actionable. Um, so, Patrick. Uh, there's a new head coach, Colorado. You've heard this? You've seen this? Yeah, yeah, I've heard a little bit about this. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've caught wind of this a little bit. Yeah. Um, look, I am not getting caught the Colorado hype. Obviously, the roster turnover is insane. They bring back ten scholarship players from last year's team. Yeah. Uh, it's the most dramatic overhaul of a scholarship roster in the history of college football, except like Marshall, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But sorry. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, Actually, did they did Marshall have more players injured, like not in the travel roster than Colorado returns? Is that was, did someone look that up? So that's a um, that's a story. That's a that's a story for the athletic. It is remembering the, the, the Marshall <laughs> crash and comparing it to Colorado. Yeah. If they sent Ari Wasserman to Huntington, West Virginia, he would not make it out alive. I'm no, sorry. Yeah, he, he would be he would be killed. He would be killed the first day he was there. That fu- the weird the the ginger guy who was in that the country music <laughs> video would kill him. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um well, yeah, like, like uh, Dion's here. Uh-huh. He brought about half of his staff from Jackson State. Brought five coaches there. I think the other ones pretty much stayed with the new guy, who's the head coach there now, who was on his staff previously. Yeah. Um, they brought in Sean Lewis from Kent State, which is a, admittedly a fantastic hire, mm-hmm. uh, as well as their O line coach Bill O'Boyle, who's a was a pretty good Mac O line coach. Yeah. Um, they also brought in uh, defensive coordinator and, and defensive tackles coach Sal Sinceri, um, who were both former Alabama. Assistants, yeah, and Texas and Brad assistant, uh, Nick Williams, coach defensive ends. Yeah, the, the um, Alabama guys were most notable for being like they were the bagged up assistants after uh, what's his name left for Oregon. Um, those were the uh, Tasha Boy. Yes, yeah. yeah, those were the new bagged up guys. Those were the the ones you. But those the, guys don't matter. You don't need those guys. No, you don't need them anymore. I don't really know what the point of having them is. You can just pay. You can just do it now. You don't have to have coaches who can keep it quiet. Yeah. You can just do it. You don't need booster managers. <laughs> to to build off of my story from the gambling podcast about like my Pittsburgh mafia connections. Yeah. Uh, Sal Sari is a friend of my family's. Hmm. Um, that's a, his that, uncle. That's a great name. Just a fantastic Sal Sinceri. <laughs> Love that. And the Sinceri family in Pittsburgh is like Italian royalty. They, uh, they own one of the, a couple of the best like a uh, restaurant not restaurants, but like food stuff stores. Mm. Um, Pittsburgh macaroni company is them. Uh, they own a couple others. They're Italian pepperoni rolls. If you're going to find, if you're going to Pittsburgh and find yourself in the strip district, uh-huh. go get an, an atomic pepperoni roll from Sinceri's. Okay. Um, tell them, tell them I sent you. Yeah. Um, what is the conversion I, rate of like Italian royalty to other kinds of royalty? How does that, <laughs> um, <laughs> where is that roughly equal? It's to? a, it's a Vi count. It's a Vi count, I believe. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, look, I mean the staff, like aside from, aside from Lewis, and I kind of know a loyal. No one has any opinions on these guys, right? You cannot have any takes on these guys. No, you don't know what they do. Yeah. 
yeah, Charles Kelly, there's, it's just, I don't know. Who knows? He could be anything. He could be good. He it's could a be bad. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I have no idea. Um, Lewis is good, and I, I do like that they brought an offensive line coach who knows the system because it is sort of, it's not something that you can really plug and play different personalities into. You need an offensive line coach who is on board with running that offense because it will, yeah. there will be a huge amount of infighting if the offensive line coach doesn't know what he's getting into ahead of time. Yep, 100%. Um, besides that, like, like pretty much this whole roster, aside from like a few of the national names you guys know, like, I mean, Shooter Sanders, Travis Hunter, Kwame McLean, those, you know, Alt McCaskill's here, there's a few other players. Like, this is mostly like th- there are three of those 10 scholarship players that came back are going to start, allegedly, which means there'll be 19 new starters in Colorado. Like, yeah. The whole team is just dependent on you knowing every other team in college football, know who these guys are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking- I do, again. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm looking at the, uh, the Athlon depth chart here just to get a quick reference. And unbel- so whenever, whenever there's a, like a transfer in the, in the two deep on this thing, they don't have a number because they didn't get one assigned before the magazine went to print. Most like the vast majority of the guys on this depth chart don't have a number. It's really actually kind of strange to look at. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you're, I, I, you're not going to get guess... that anywhere else. I guess too, based on Athlon's publication dates, I assume most of that roster had a date of wrong, right? Yeah, like, there's I, no way it's accurate. Yeah, there's no real reason to even look at it for this team because it's all <laughs> it has changed already. They have they've already lost all of the guys on the Athlon roster, and they're on to a different set of twenty two guys. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> look, it's just time with the team quickly here. Again, I really like Shooter Sanders. He completed over sixty percent of his passes, sub one point six percent interception rate. 7,000 yards and nearly 80 touchdowns uh, in his two years of starting quarterback at Jackson State. Yeah. It is FCS football. I get that. But, like, that kid's film is good, dude. Like, he looks really good in all 22. Yeah. Um, they you, they also getting, have a good – Hold on. Where are you getting the all 22 from Jackson State? What are you doing? How are you finding I, I, I need to find out. <laughs> there are some guys that I follow who are posting that stuff on Twitter. Yeah. And I – I need to get those logins. I need to find out how this is happening. <laughs> it's um, it's it, it is a it is a fucking rabbit hole. You try to get in there, and it's going to be four hours later, and you won't have made any progress. But you will have gotten like twenty five different DMs from people like, "Oh, I know what I know what you should be looking for." <laughs> Just it is a it's a test they put, that they put you through before you're allowed to see all twenty two. Yeah, it's like it's the eyes wide shut scene, right? Yeah. Um, also, speaking of, I have not listened to it yet, but I saw it today. <laughs> That Bill Simmons did a rewatchable for Eyes Wide Shut, which just has to be the most insane podcast. Well, I yeah, can't it's, wait. To it's just to him it. talking about how he wishes he was there. He's. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine him trying to understand that movie and have opinions on it? I can't wait. I'm yeah. so excited to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I wish I was. Yeah, he just wants to be there. This is this looks like a kind of party that I would like to go to. This. <laughs> yeah. Good. He's like, House, did we underrate the fits? <laughs> <laughs> He's, he, isn't, he we, like, isn't he like 55 sure years old? Were, are we sure they were pedophiles, House? Oh, man. These guys just look cool. It looks like a fun place to hang out. It's like that party he's that, doing the, a, that the, um, the ticket master guy or whatever that guy works for was, uh, was he's doing. He's doing, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't talk about the Ruben guy. Um, he's, doing, he's doing what age the worst and he's going with. With all the Epstein stuff, this is, this is not a great look nowadays. Yeah. It used to be okay, but... Yeah, they've they've got his they've got his nephew Kyle with his eyes. You know, they've they've got the blindfold on. He's playing the piano. Oh, fuck! I can't wait to watch to listen to that. I'm so excited. Um, Anyway, but look, I like Chris Sanders a lot. Uh, Travis Hunter again for all the memes about like the Colorado roster. Travis Hunter is a freak. He's one of the best high school players I've ever seen. He's good. Um, He's going to play both ways. Allegedly, he's very good. 
Um, they also brought in two pretty good uh, receivers from the AAC yeah. uh, with USF starting receivers, Jimmy Horn Jr. and Xavier Weaver. Uh, Jimmy Horn, I think the senior, obviously a friend of Deion Sanders. Um, they also have a pretty good running back room. They brought in Cavassier, Smoke, Kentucky, and, and uh, Alt McCaskill out of Houston, mm-hmm. who missed 2022 after tearing his ACL, uh, but looked pretty damn good in 2021. And Smoke has been like a solid, like um, short yardage back uh, throughout his career at Kentucky. He was always kind of behind other guys. Uh, some NFL running backs, but he's been a good player for the most part. Yeah. Um, the line is a little problematic. Yeah, here's the problem. Um, here's the issue with with the yeah. <laughs> they've got a lot. Of, there's a lot of skill talent on both sides of the ball, and then there's the lines, and the lines are sort of where, um, as I'm sure you've probably heard, that's where football starts, and there's not a whole lot going on on these lines. I would say. No, I do really like one of their players. <laughs> okay. I think Tyler Brown, who they brought in from uh, from Jackson State. Uh, he's an FCS All-American. That is a big motherfucker. He's like a 335-pound guard. Uh-huh. Um, he's going to kill some guys. Okay. Uh, they also brought in uh, an all-MVC transfer, um, Landon Bebe, or Bebe, uh, mm-hmm. one of the two, maybe BB even, yeah. uh, and Juco All-American Isaiah Jaddy. Yeah. Besides that, a couple of Kent State starters came over, and Jack Bailey and Savion Washington couple guys back from last year and Gerard Christian Lichtenhan and, and Van Wells. Mm-hmm. Like you have seven guys here who started during the 2022 season and have starting experience. Great. And I think I like their O-line coach. The, the problem is of course, like the jelly of an O-line like that is nearly impossible with all transfers. It's yeah. very hard anyway, but when you have with any kind of turnover, when it's not just turnover of like three starters, but also like every guy coming in to transfer on top of that, there's a lot of problems here. And like you said, it's a pretty specific O-line coaching style. It's yeah, not yeah. It's not just simple gap scheme running. Like, like you were learning a lot of new shit to do this. Yeah, and something that I would be really worried about is that I think the best, the most talented player on this line is, like you mentioned, Tyler Brown. Um, 335 pounds is not going to work in this offense. It's not. It's just not. It's too big. You can't move fast enough to play in this offense if you're 335 pounds. He needs to... He needs to be smaller than that, frankly. It's not like it's just not going to work. You can't move fast enough to play in this offense if you're that big. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I, I guess I think he's pretty light in his feet for 335. That's obviously a relative statement. Yeah. It's just, just, stop. Like, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not even, it's not just one play. It's that you have to do 95 plays. You, you're yeah, on the field a lot. You're spending yeah. a lot of time running around. That's a big boy to be doing that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really hard to adjust to in one offseason. Yeah, I mean, regards to that, I think there's even a chance they could figure out O-line. Like, I can see a path and figure that out with that experience level. Yeah. Like, I think they could end up with an average FBS offense. I think that's possible. The defense has no shot. It's the secondary and nothing else. Like, there are some, like, former blue chip guys transferred in at linebacker that maybe could figure out a way to work. Um, but the defensive line, is just, like, there's no talent there. There was no image transfers. Yeah. They're going to get run all over. And the part that's worrisome is he's like, he does put their corners on an island all the time, which to be fair, they probably have two of like the four or five best corners in the conference already. Okay. Um, but they still, that's, you can't just, you, <laughs> that doesn't work, right? Because you can't get a pass rush because you have no D linemen. Like they're going to get, I, I just don't see how even having two great corners in this passing heavy league is enough for this all. I don't see any pathway for this defense to be like top 80. In uh, I would say top a hundred. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so hard to win games when you don't have a defensive line. It, it's, 
the rest of the defense is exhausted all game because there's no there's no help and i just i don't know unless they they're not going to get they're not going to get lucky enough that the defensive line would be competent it's going to be really bad and i think the defense is going to follow suit yeah i tend to agree i mean like basically you're looking at i don't know you're looking at basically what arizona does except with a harder schedule like that's kind of your (laughs) that's kind of your reality i guess is is being Arizona with a harder schedule yeah. and like less development of of players in the defensive front, yeah. um, which is not ideal. And also like the schedule is pretty fucking hard. They play eleven Power Five teams this year. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's look at the schedule. So they start at TCU, which is a loss, even though we're down on TCU relative to most people. That's just, I mean, they were in the playoff last year. This is <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, Nebraska at home, I. I don't really have a great read on Nebraska. I would imagine that that's a loss, right? Because Nebraska has a full roster of scholarship players and has been playing that's some right. of them before. Um, yeah. And Matt a better coach, obviously, as well. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Um, Colorado State at home. Um, it's a win. Probably a win, right? I, Colorado State was really bad last year, and I don't think that they're going to be a whole lot better this year. Um, so one and two to start. Honestly, it might be easier to just try and find – the wins, the potential Yeah, because they're going to lose to Oregon and USC, get that yeah. out of the way. Yeah. They have back-to-back games in October where they have a chance to get back to 500 because at this point we have them at one and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, sorry, close to 500. Uh, they get at Arizona State at home against Stanford. Mm. Um, basically, my read is, aside from Colorado State, which I kind of as a win, they, they have at Arizona State and home against Stanford back-to-back weekends the first two of October. And in the uh, November 11th or 17th, they have Arizona at home and Washington State on the road. Yeah, I think of those four games, they find a way to win two. I would probably bet on Arizona State and Stanford, mm-hmm. but I don't really have a strong feeling on that. I think they find a way to get two of those games. Yeah, I, um, I think that they probably get. Yeah, I think they probably get two, and then they are in. They're a candidate to pull off an upset. I don't know if they have the lines to get it done. I, I think three and nine is probably the safest pick for these guys. Yeah, because I mean, it seems that, like I don't know, like yeah, maybe if they played Washington or something, who already saw be prone to an idiotic upset last year, you yeah. could say that. I I, I like, think that like I think Nebraska could be dog shit. I don't think that that's impossible to imagine that Nebraska. Oh, I was thinking about the Pac-12 teams. I misunderstood. No, something. just in general, just in general, to pull off an upset to get to four, I, I I think Nebraska could be bad. That's not impossible for me to to I could. It's not hard yeah. to see that. I've seen that a lot recently. And so I don't think that it's hard to see like, oh, Jeff Sims isn't very good, um, especially against yeah. these cornerbacks. Like Jeff Sims struggles and Nebraska turns the ball over a couple of times and Colorado gets a, a big one at home. Um, but Are I, you I, familiar with the Jeff Sims truthers? Like this is a corner of college by internet that thinks Jeff Sims was good last year. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, they're wrong. They should. I hope that they know. They aren't right. I love. I, I fully support them pushing that narrative just because I think it's funny to take a stand like that. Um, he wasn't. He was not good last year. He was bad. He was very bad. Yeah, he, yeah. they suck. I, look, I, I think we stay safe and give him three and nine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think three and that's... nine is, is is fine. I think it's a fun three and nine. I think they do some shit that's really weird. Yeah, I'll say this: Colorado, if they were smarter, should have paid their way out of those Nebraska and TCU games and gotten some like G five or FCS wins for beyond. Yeah, um, that would be better off here. But whatever. Yeah, um, this is a really nine this is, is a really brutal non conference for the situation at hand, where you have two rivalry games with Nebraska and Colorado State, and then also you're going to a team that was in the playoff last year. That's really tough. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Next up, where are we going? Um, a good team finally found. Jesus Christ, we got that took us longer than we thought to get through. Um, <laughs> we're on to a good team finally. Uh, Oregon. Uh, Dan Lanning went nine and three with a top fifteen finish in his first year as their head coach. Um, he is replacing four of his coaches, including both of his play callers. Um, although I think he barely calls the plays on defense sometimes. It's unclear, but uh, Matt Powledge is gone. He's out of DC at Baylor full time, mm-hmm. uh, and Kenny Dillingham is gone as well. We talked about now head coach at Arizona State. They also lost their offensive running game coordinator and line coach, Adrian Clem, now with the Patriots in the same position. Uh, and they also, um, the, the, the hires they made are fine. Like yeah. Chris Hampton, who is, at, who is at Tulane, came in as co-DC and safety's coach. Um, Tosh Lupoy is the primary DC here. Um, they brought in Elite Terry, the line coach, who was an assistant D-line coach, the Minnesota D-line coach, the Minnesota Vikings last year, huh. former GA in Oregon. I don't really get that one. I think he's just yeah. like a, he's a program guy people like there. It's like, a, you know, sure. You, you hire Mike, basically like Mike Hart was only like ever a, a GA for Michigan or something like that. And you hire him as full time. Okay. I guess it's kind of the same idea, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, they also brought in Will Stein, mm-hmm. uh, who came in from Jeff Taylor's UTSA program. Any notes from you on Will Stein or thoughts on him? He's Jill Stein's son, so we love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ben Stein's uncle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think you, I think people know what UTSA does on offense. He's good. Uh, it's hard to know how much of that was him and how much of that was the structure that they have there, which is always a little bit scary. But um, I would imagine he'll do fine. I think he fits the personnel pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, the O lot. So the offensive like production is pretty good here. Uh, they, they obviously Bo Nix is back as the big one, as well as their top two running backs and Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington, uh, their top receiver, Troy Franklin's back. They do lose three offensive line starters. That was an excellent group last year. Um, three of their top five receivers are gone, but both the top two are back. Um, the defensive front loses Noah Sewell. Um, DJ Johnson, Justin Flo, Jordan Riley, all gone. Christian Gonzalez, of course, the top 10 pick corner. Uh, in total, they lost 22 programs via attrition, which is not terrible, but like a lot of those guys were in the 2 deep, um, a higher percentage than the usual. Yeah. But like, I, I do think with Troy Franklin, Bo Nix, and those two running backs back here, um, they also have Terrence Ferguson, a tight end is pretty solid. I think that the offense can be can be pretty good. Um, I don't know. Um, the, the O-line is, I mean, like, like again, at wide receiver here, they have Tej Johnson uh, from Troy. They have Gary Bryant Jr. coming in from USC, who I've just had like a fair bit. They have Trey Holder from Alabama. Um, that like top receiving group is pretty solid. And also they got a five-star freshman jury on Dickey. Yeah. Like I think they're too deep at receiver is pretty special. Yeah. Um, but they do need to figure out some O-line development here, right? They, they have one guy coming in last year with their sixth man, uh, Josh Connerly, who played a lot in jumbo sets and was kind of their sixth guy in the O-line. He's coming at left tackle. Um, they have Marcus Harper at left guard. They have Jackson Powers Johnson, who has been playing there quite a bit for a while. He wants to take over at center now. Um, they brought in Junior Angelow from Texas, who I think was a capable starter, if unspectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Nishad Strother from ECU. This guy's both have starting experience. Um, and then they brought in Johnny Cornelius to the SCS level at right tackle with um, George Silva to push him a Juco player. They, they have a pretty solid like top seven or eight here that I think they have seven or eight guys who have started experience who are pretty physically capable to the point that I think they should be able to figure out this O-line. But having a first-year O-line coach doing that challenge is kind of kind of difficult. I don't really understand that elite Terry hire given the context it was in. Yeah, it seems like maybe this was a little bit more important of a hire than they 
treated it as. And maybe this guy is yes. good. I don't know. But it, I would have gone with probably a little bit more of a proven commodity than him in this in this place. Or if you're going to hire him, maybe put him on the defense, you know, where he had been coaching and where your head coach is specialized. I, it doesn't really make sense to hire him in this role. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand exactly why they did that. If you're going to hire like a fucking, uh, you know, an alum who everybody knows about, why not just hire Jeff Schwartz? I don't know. What are you doing? This doesn't make sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really get it. Um, I guess the good news is again, like there is the talent there and there's also talent on the defensive front too. Like this is a program that is kind of under Cristobal and now under Lanning has kind of changed its reputation to be more of a line driven program um, than it was like, obviously the previous, you know, Chip Kelly has had good line play forever, but like it was a lot more like at that time, he was doing a lot more with like water bug players, right? Like guys outside, you know, looking for misdirection. Like it was a lot different than it is now. This is a team that can line up and beat most teams in the country physically, like pretty much everyone except the SEC powers and, some of the big 10 ones, they can outplay them physically on the line play. And that has to maintain this year with the guys they have there. Yeah. Uh, Terry has to deliver for this program to get where it wants to go because they have a lot of potential besides that. Yeah. I, um, I would also, I would also say um, if they want to maintain good Bo Nix, like they got last year, keeping him upright would be a really good way to do that. You do not want yeah. Bo Nix is, is a lot of things, not uh, especially poised under a lot of pressure, I would say from the no. defense. That is not scrambling. Really, Bo Nix is bad. Yeah, you yeah. don't really want Bo Nix off schedule, which is funny because that was what he was so much at Auburn. But like, he really isn't good at it. He's really, really not good when the play breaks down. He makes bad decisions. He's at his best in the structure. If this is not Bryce Young, it's not Caleb Williams. Like, you don't have a guy who can do that. Yeah, and um, I know that it's very easy to mistake him for those two guys. It's, a lot of people have said, <laughs> is this Bryce Young when they're watching Oregon football? Uh, but, uh, I mean, but look, like, he is, like, he is being pegged as a Heisman candidate this year. He is reason. being pegged. <laughs> <laughs> Your disdain for Pac-12 quarterbacks, not only Michael Penix, is difficult to get through in this podcast. I like Cam Rising. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. All right, whatever. Um the defensive front, they were in the mid front here at Oregon. They have three of their top four defensive tackles back. I think Casey Rogers, the former Nebraska transfer, is probably the best of the bunch. Yeah. Um, God, he's they been also get forever. He's been playing college football forever. Jesus. He's like a 2017 or 18 recruit. Yeah. Dude, I just, um, I was just reminded who's the guy, uh, uh, Matthew Jones at Ohio State, who was a 2018 guy. Get a job. Come on. No more yeah. class of 2018 guys. There was a dude starting last year for Oregon State in their secondary to 2016 recruit. Good um, night. Come on, man. <laughs> um, so besides the tackles here, they have Brandon Dorless back at end. They also brought in Jordan Birch from South Carolina, who I like quite a bit. Um, South Carolina lost their D-line coach to LSU, and that cost some transfers. Yeah. Uh, Birch probably the best of the bunch. Um, Mace Funa is back at linebacker. He is very, very good. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, they have Taki Taimani and Keon Ware Hudson back at a defensive tackle too. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? They brought in Matteo Uingale, uh, Dieter's little brother, who's a really, really talented defensive end recruit. I think he's going to have an immediate impact here. Yeah. Um, I like Justin Jacobs a lot as well, the Iowa transfer linebacker. Yeah, very good. Um, he's going to start. He's definitely going to start because the only other star they have back is Jeffrey Bossa. Yeah. Um, Mace Food is more of an outside linebacker and edge rusher, which he'll help maintain that role. Um, they also brought in the Connor Sewell kid from Arizona State, who's actually one of the only good players they had last year. Okay, uh, it's a pretty good, pretty good top three at linebacker. Like, I, I think it's tricky because you have two transfers learning a new system. Um, both have very different defenses, but 
those are physically talented guys with power five start experience. You should be able to figure that out with that and a starter back. Yeah. You should be fine. I think um, I, I think I might trust a couple of these guys more than I did the group that they had last year, despite all the talent that they had with with Sewell and Flo. Like I I, I think yeah. I, I think I trust just Justin Jacobs more. I just I think he's a more reliable linebacker. He's going to be on the field. Man, that's for sure. They criminally underdeveloped Sewell. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just weren't. Uh, they just didn't tackle well. That's a big problem for a linebacker when they don't fucking tackle well. They were too, just. It, it, I think a lot of the time they've just been too aggressive defensively. They they overshoot their tackles. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty appalling. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the secondary, they they have a returning starter back uh, at their at their boundary safety role, um, but besides that, it's gonna be two new starters, including yeah. possibly a true freshman. Yeah. Um, Cole Martin, they recruited, is like a, is a blue chip camp, not like a a five star player like that. Is probably gonna start at the nickel spot. I say start kind of in air quotes because they do rotate that position out uh, for their linebacker roles as needed. Yeah. Like they'll go into a three, three, five look as needed, but I don't think they'll play him a ton because of that. Yeah. Um, I do like Taishim Johnson from Ole Miss. They have it their field safety. I think he was pretty good for them. They also run Evan Williams from Fresno state. I like him um, a lot. He's, he's a good player. Yeah. He's another one of those guys he's, who you can just trust. Just a very reliable tackler and, and coverage guy. He's not like a star, but he's just a really good player. Yeah, hundred percent. He's probably going to supplant the returning starter. They brought in like two guys there to you know basically compete, despite having a couple of starters coming back, because they didn't really trust those guys. Which yeah, uh, we listed a little bit later in the, in the in the preview, but another Pac-12 team because they're going to hit from that. Yeah, um, they are right to do uh, that. I also didn't trust those guys. Yeah, they're they're correct. No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, their corners obviously losing Gonzalez is a big deal, right? He was one of the best corners in the country. Um, they have Bridges back, who's fine. Um, Nico Reek of Colorado. He was actually one of the only good players Colorado had, much like Soel at Arizona State, that I mentioned. Uh, Kyrie Jackson comes from Alabama, basically never played. Yeah. Um, they have a former five star with Dante Manning come in until he's in his second year now. It's pretty much time for him to play. Yeah. Um, between Manning, I, I think Manning, Reed, and Bridges are kind of the big three here. I don't think Jackson plays very much. Yeah. Um, that's workable, right? You have to kind of you have to figure it out pretty fast because you play USC and Washington and there are passing offenses, but that's a group that can survive. Yeah, I need to believe it before I... I need to see it before I believe it with Dante Manning because I have heard for a while now that it's time for him to step up and he just hasn't as a college football player. Yeah, um, He is just a name at this point, and so I, I don't know... I don't really love him being one of the one of the main guys. Um, I'm, I'm pretty worried about the coverage here. I, I think the coverage takes a pretty significant step back. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, something I will say too, like... I'm going to sound like a hypocrite during this preview because I'm going to praise Oregon. Not really praise. I'm sorry. I'm going to criticize Oregon for taking too many transfers, mm-hmm. but also ding Washington for not taking enough. Yeah. Like I, I think these Pac-12 teams are both pushing for titles, obviously, this year. And they kind of overdid the balance, right? Like Oregon lost too many players and had to go to the portal too much. Washington did not go to the portal enough at all. Like they have too many glaring holes because of that. But like these teams be judicious in who they take. And I, th- I think Oregon probably took a few too many. Like, I think the, the Kyrie Jackson transfer is a perfect example of that. Yeah. You don't need that kid. A There's greedy. no need yeah, for that. It's a little greedy, especially because, like, I don't think he's any good. So he's just here. He's just taking up space. Yeah, he's just messing up your depth chart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's just taking away reps from guys who could be good, like young guys. I, I just, yeah, I, I don't really. Yeah. It, it does feel like they did that in a couple spots where there's just, did you really need this guy? Did you really need to bring yep. in? Like, there were places where recruiting over guys who were already there I think is fine. I don't think Kyrie Jackson is is – doing anything to make those rooms better. I don't think he's making the cornerback room better by bringing him in. He's just some guy. 
no, agreed. Agreed 100%. Um, yeah, look, I mean, also, too, like, this is a program, like I said, that, like, was really a lot more physical up front than pretty much any Pac-12 team besides Utah and Oregon State last year. And if they lose the identity with a new O-line coach, a bunch of new linemen, that's worrisome. And also, if your secondary isn't good enough, fast enough, with probably, like, what, four new starters out of your five guys. Again, one of those guys not a full-time starter, but, yeah. you know, four of your five nickel package guys are new starters. That's a little scary. Like, like when you play the receivers you play at USC and at Washington, you better get these guys good fast. They play Washington pretty early in the year. It's like week five or six. Yeah. They better figure it out quick, is yeah. what I'll say. Yeah. Let's talk um, about the schedule. Um, I think that this season really comes down to just a few games here. Um, they're, they have... I would say pretty much sure thing wins against Portland State, Hawaii, Colorado, Stanford, Washington State at home, I would assume is a win, um, yes. Cal at home, and then at Arizona State. That's seven. That's seven pretty much surefire wins. I think there are yes. five games on this that could go that could go in the other direction, that could be you know competitive or that could seriously challenge them. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think that's fair. I would say probably two of them less than the others. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Oregon State in a second, and of course the rivalry game. I think Oregon State's a little too one-dimensional this year. <clears throat> I think some of this, It's at home, too, for Oregon. It's at home for Oregon, and I think just like Oregon State probably lost a little too much, especially defense. Yeah. That it's hard for me to see them actually beating Oregon this year, but yeah, I maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that's, that's obviously a tough team. And Texas Tech is just like their quarter... We talked about it in the Big 12 preview, but like their decision-making for the quarterback swap is pretty pretty inexplicable yeah um i don't really understand what they did there i don't understand why they kept who they kept with with tyler shuck yeah um i think they should be able to win this game pretty handily texas tech's a quality team it's a road game at night it's fair to worry about that but i i think realistically it comes down to three games yeah um yeah i think that i think they have nine wins pretty comfortably here it's it's going to be washington on the road utah on the road and usc at home yeah, and you know those games are in a five-week stretch too, um, yeah. with pretty competent teams at least in Wazoo and California in between the sandwich in between them. Yeah, um, it's tough. They get Washington off the bye week, which is a benefit here. And you know, again, I'll get to Washington here in a, in, a, in a little bit, but I think Oregon's secondary is sorry, rather Washington's secondary is pretty pretty tough, and I don't think they're going to have it figured out this early in the year. I think Oregon probably gets Washington, but loses to USC and Utah. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly which ones it would be. I would say that they get one of those three, and then they they you know they end up ten and two. I, I don't think that they're winning. If they win two of those three, they're in the playoff, right? Like they would need to obviously win the Pac twelve. At least they're in a, they're in a playoff. The playoff. They're playing yeah. for the playoff. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't think they're going. And I'm to sure play. they won't be the the next Pac twelve team to have that chance that lose to Utah in that game. Yeah, surely they will. Yeah, or if they <laughs> if they beat you know Washington, lose at Utah, beat USC, going go into the final week ten and one ready for a play-in in the in the championship game and then hosting <laughs> Oregon State, certainly they wouldn't lose that game. They wouldn't do that. Yeah. Like they yeah, do, I, I don't know like they they do every yeah. year in perpetuity, like they always do. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. Yeah. I don't know how they get the 10-2, but I think they do get the 10-2. Like yeah. I, I could see, like you said, Oregon State or Texas Tech games causing a trip up here. Yeah. But I think in all likelihood, it's a 10-2 team one way or another. Um, and I think a pretty good one, right? I think they're yeah. clearly not championship caliber. Um but I like the receiver core. I really like the running backs. If the O line, if the O line is basically not a problem, if Elite Terry is who they think he is, it's taken care of quickly. 
then this team can play with anybody in the country pretty much. Yep. Um, maybe yep. besides the top like four or five teams. Yeah, I would um, agree. I think that they are definitively a step below the top four or five teams, but they're they're right right around that you know that top ten. Yeah, this is a, this is a comfortable top fifteen, top twelve team. Yeah. Yep. I think that that's fair. Yeah. This is a this is a playoff team in the twelve team playoff era for sure. Um. Hundred percent. All right. Yeah. Oregon State. Next up, our boys, our favorite, our favorite guys. We love these guys. Favorite guys, nine and three last year, number seventeen overall finish with the AP poll. Um, Jonathan Smith, just one of the most badass coaches in the country. Really good program builder and it's all modern. Um, he only lost one assistant. It, it is a pretty good one. Uh, AJ Stewart, the running backs coach, is gone. He's the guy that recruited and developed Damian Martinez, who we love. Mm-hmm. Um, he has gone to Baylor, um, but they did bring in uh, Keith. Um, how do you pronounce his last name? Banafa. Banafa. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Banafa. I think it's I think it's Banafa sure. from Boise State, who also had his own really good freshman last year with Ashton Genty for Boise State. Yeah, he's a and guy. Also had George Alani got him back to form. Yeah, like he had a pretty damn good running back room last year. Pretty much was the only reason Boise State him and Dirk Cutter like saved that team. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can pretty so, much if you are. This is another good thing. This is a benefit for Jonathan Smith is that for as long as as Boise State refuses to leave, to leave the tree that it's on right now, you can just use that as a minor league and for for hiring coaches. You can just grab their assistants. It's no problem. They already know the system. Yeah, They're doing the same thing. Yep, hundred um, percent. I like that hire. Uh, in terms of like player losses here, they do lose Omar Spates, who was fantastic. Uh, all three of their top inside linebackers are gone. Um, Spates transferred to LSU. They lost uh, three of their secondary starters, including both corner. Their leading pass rusher and Riley Sharp uh, bizarrely converted to tight end, which is kind of confusing here. Huh. I don't really get that one. Um, and also starting defensive tackle Simon Sandberg was gone too. Yeah. Which, despite this being one of the best coach defenses in the country, like that's not that's a lot. That's a lot, right? They don't yeah. recruit well enough to yeah. overcome all that. I guess like maybe they're confident in the defensive ends that they have enough that they would move sharp to the tight end. But I don't know why you would do that. I don't really think you need like. Yeah, it's nice to have a good tight end. I feel like an edge rusher yeah. is probably a little bit more important than that. Well, they do use a lot of twelve personnel. Their tight ends kind of suck too, which and they lost Luke Musgrave. But like, this guy's not going to be like Luke Musgrave yeah. overnight. Yeah. Yeah, you don't just wake up and be Luke Musgrave. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of guys wish they could. Yeah. Um, yeah, they ask me. People yeah, come I mean, to me and they say, "How do I? How do I become Luke, the next Luke Musgrave?" They say it's going to take a yeah, lot. Yeah, we're of actually work. launching our meet at midfield Luke Musgrave coaching program. Yeah, it's going to take a lot um, of hard work if you want to become Luke Musgrave. <laughs> that's right. We're calling it bussing with Musgrave. That's yeah. the uh, that's yeah. The thing I'm we're on. The, it. I'm doing the Musgrave method. I'm on the I'm on the Musgrave program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, he's selling nootropics, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Um, they lose him. They lose the top two receivers. They lose their right guard, Brandon Kemper, who had like a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a few depth pieces are gone, a quarterback and running back, but, but pretty much the rest of the offense is intact. Um, Jack Cotello was a guy who didn't really show up in the stat sheet very much, I think but like, I think it was really Costello. important. Is it, is it not Costello? I think it's Costello. I think it's Cotello. I think, I think it's Cotello. Is it? That's fucked up. <laughs> Look it up. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. Just go with it. If I'm, if, okay. if I'm, the article's already published. I'm not. I, I'm re. I'm. I've seen like seven typos I had in, this, in these articles while I'm running through this. It's. Stuff. It's. It's so. really. It's really hard to. Yeah. It's. It's hard to do these. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is um, this kid's name? Keep talking while I look this kid. This anyway, kid. he didn't have a lot of stats last year. It was really important for them informational uh, versatility. He was a, good, a solid H-back, fullback type, but they kind of move around as they need to. Uh, he ran routes pretty well. He was a hell of a blocker. He's the kind of guy you like to have on your team, but is not necessarily going to show up on a stat sheet. Like He's a classic 
football guy, as we call them. Coletto. Um, it's Jack Coletto. Okay. Yeah. Jack, Coletto, huh? Jack, See, I wrote this article at like 11, yeah, like 11 p.m. I think. On, he, he's gone. He's playing for the 49ers also. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, he's playing them for now, so he's fine. But yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the thing here that's like, look, everyone's going to talk about DJ Ugalele all offseason because it's, you know, whatever. It's fighting. Yeah. Ugalele, rather. It's exciting, whatever. But like, the star of the show, as always, is the offensive line and the running backs here. Mm-hmm. Um, all four of the returning starters are preseason all Pac-12. Uh, Damian Martinez, the thousand-yard player, is true freshman. Um, Joshua Gray and Talisi Fuaga are like NFL dudes. They're joys they're, to watch. I awesome. really, really like them. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, I like their edge rushers they have here too. Uh, Andrew Chatfield's the best one, but they also have um, Sion Lalahea yeah. and uh, Olawasei Omotoshu, good who's player. a Wyoming transfer. Good player. Yeah, really good, good player. Chatfield was a former blue chipper as well, right? Yeah, he committed to Ohio State back when you were a fan in 2017. Yeah. He's also like a 2018 or 2017 recruit. Played at Florida. He flipped to them and then transferred here like two or three years. He's been here for a while now. Yeah. Pretty good player. Because yeah. Oregon State brought in a bunch of transfers that like, for some reason random ohio state recruits at the same time uh-huh. they brought in Tyjon Lindsay. they brought in him there's a third one too if I is Lindsay still but here he can't be right he no he's gone he's yeah. gone he's been gone for like two years yeah um oh, god but um he's he's dating oh, it's like there's safety he's, by the way yeah he's, he's in oh. beyond of the beyond dating high schoolers parody yeah yeah a parody <laughs> allegedly um yeah Look, if you want to see what he's up to, you can just subscribe to Riley Martell Hilly fans, allegedly. Yeah. Um, but allegedly. Um, yeah. He's no, he, he's, uh, he's a club <laughs> he's a club promoter in high school towns around the world. <laughs> um, I also like their safety, Pete Aladapu is pretty good, uh, pretty defensive back. But look, we know what they're gonna be, right? They have the best no line coach in the country with Jim Miklosik. Um Martinez is a bruising running back. Deshaun Fenwick is backups, a big boy too, who can really run the ball too. Uh, this is a physical, nasty running game. Yep. And and Uingale is a battering ram too. Yep. Um, the biggest thing is like all of their passing attack really runs through their tight ends. And with Musgrave gone, like they need to figure out who the next guy is here because I don't know. Like Jack Velling is decent. He was a freshman last year. He played pretty meaningful snaps, and, and obviously they're they're playing to use Sharp for something if he transferred over here. Um, but the receivers are just nothing to write home about, and they're all brand new. Um, Uyghulay cannot turn the ball over the way the chance to let a Ben Galbraith did. Yeah. Right. If that happens, which he was prone to at times, Clemson, um, this team will take a big step backward. Yeah. They brought him in to be better than that. Obviously, they're going to make some NFL throws, but like more than that, this guy needs to run the fuck out of the football, hit some guys, set the tone, and just not turn the ball over very often. Like just hit checkdowns, play field position, like just play you know, 2003 NFL football is what Oregon State wants to do. Yeah, you really, the the operative question with this offense is, does DJ buy into the system? Is he willing to play like fucking Tim Tebow? Like, is he, is he willing to run the ball basically like a running back does? Because um, that's what they... That's what they would really like to be able to do. They would really like a quarterback who can run and stay healthy. They would really like a quarterback who can just just make the smart throw. Just make the, the calm decision. It doesn't need to go all the way down the field. It doesn't need to be like sometimes they're going to ask you to do that, but usually you just need to call the right plays. You need to have the right audible if you have to switch. You need to have the right hot routes. You need to be able to read the defense and then complete a five-yard out to a tight end. It, it, can't, it doesn't need to be made that hard. And if he's willing to do that, if he can do that, I think that the, the offense should be really good, even without 
some of those big playmakers from last year. Like they just lost Jam Griffin to uh, to Ole Miss. Somebody should investigate those fucking guys also, because come on. Yeah. Um. But uh, like, uh, yeah, I think the offense is gonna be is gonna be good again as long as he is willing to play the role, as long as he's willing to be the guy that they brought him in to be. And I have to hope he was humble with his experience. Like to his credit. Yeah. Like his dad seems like a dickhead, but like he was very respectful and like a team guy, but the club dick thing. Like yeah. you have to give him credit for that. This guy was not a he, he was not a dickhead about that. He helped Klubnik develop. Um, he did what the team wanted to do. Like he did do for Clemson what they asked him every time. He just wasn't good enough. And I think that offensive staff really failed him a bit too. And I guess it was own struggles. Yeah. But yeah, he has to buy in. And is he willing to do that? Because obviously he came here with the idea of I'm gonna be a starter and NFL player. And the only way to do that is to actually run the system and give yourself a chance to do it because you got two years of eligibility left. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to do what they want you to do to win games first and then worry about kind of, because you're, look, they cannot throw the ball this year. They don't have the weapons for him to throw the ball to. He has yeah. to realize that. Yeah. That there's not a ton of guys to throw it to. If you run the ball and run it well, play action will be a lot easier. And next season, maybe you have a chance to kind of show what you got. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would hope that, that him being here is a sign that he has accepted that and he, he, because like I I don't know that they bring him in if they're not confident in his ability to do that if in in his willingness to do that and I don't think he goes to a place like Oregon State if he isn't committed to the system right like I I want to I want to believe in this I want to be optimistic about this I think that I I can be but I could also see this going bad I could see this not being the fit that they of were course, looking for yeah. and they end up right back where they were where they can't pass the ball even a little bit and they have a quarterback who's making too many mistakes. Yeah, and, and I again, I hope he he learns from this, but we'll see. Because they don't really have any other options. Like Ben Galberson's back here, but they do not want to play him again. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, the defense also like defense is, man, in a, is in a pretty tough spot here. They, things are not great for the defense. They did this whole thing in 2021 where they switched to their two four five, um, basically because of how linebacker driven and like how how many like stand up edge rushers and linebackers they develop better than defensive linemen. Yeah, and. That worked great the last couple of years, or it worked pretty well at least. But losing all three of your top linebackers uh, is tough. Your defensive line has a lot of turnover. Sandberg's gone. Like, you have to have ass kickers defensive tackle in the system, and I don't really see them. Their linebackers are also just okay. I like Kelvin Hart, the Illinois transfer, but like Mason Tafaga from Utah is right number two. He's from Blue Chip guy, did nothing. Um, they have Easton Maserinos Arnold, who's on the All Italian team next year. Um, but you know, hey. yeah. Hey, uh, hey, I'm I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in the Corvallis Valley. Yeah. Uh, I'm in. I'm going to the Willamette Wine Country. Uh, <laughs> that's his thing. That's sort of. Um, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Like, I, I do like the safeties, Ryan Cooper and, and Keaton Oladapo, who I mentioned. Um, it's just that there's, like, no one at corner at all. Like, they never took their corners at the field last year. Those two starters did healthy all year. They didn't rotate at all because the guys behind them suck. So now, basically, no one behind them has any experience. They have, like, a Juco kid. They've barely used backup. They've converted safety or by their top three. Um, like, th- this pass rush should be good. I mentioned the edge rushers. There was a nasty group there. If that pass rush can get home and create some, like, breathing room for the secondary – they have a chance to figure this out. Yeah. But like, and, I don't know. Dude. I think they might get run on all year. I don't know. I, I don't really see it. And I, I will say also, if there is any program in this conference or honestly in, in the P five, that's not like a championship contender, 
that I would be that I would believe in their ability to develop defenders, like guys who we don't really know about in the in the back seven, it would be this one. I think they can do it. I think it, I think it's entirely possible that some guys who we don't we don't have any idea about right now will step up as good players, right? Like that has happened plenty of times with this program. It's just you're relying on a lot of that in the back seven. You're relying on a, a lot, lot of a it. lot of yeah. guys who we don't know about stepping up. And it is it is hard to it is hard to imagine them not taking at least some step back defensively, even if the pass rush is really good, which I think it will be. Yeah, and and, and that's the challenge. Just like where does the help come from? Like it just takes so many guys to help. It's not just a few guys secondary. It's also all of your linebackers. It's it's your whole defensive tackle. Like it's everything besides the edge rushers. Yeah. and your two deep safeties. Everything else happens to get better fast and yeah. i just don't know if they can do it fast enough yeah um well they do I, yeah. I, I will say there's some good news in the schedule because <laughs> well they have four weeks to figure it out right they yeah. have four weeks to figure out it out and also they play like five teams who can do anything about this maybe yeah yeah so the schedule here it opens up the first four games are pretty quick here it's at san jose state home against uc davis home against san diego state at wazoo yep um they should win all of those games yeah. Right. They can control the clock and win those games. Um, also, by the way, Oregon State's my prediction for the lowest number of drives per game, not by a triple option team. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that. Just based on based on the fact that opponents want to run the ball against them, they can run the ball on anyone else. That's going to be their whole thing. Lowest yeah. number of drives. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is all right. This after, is the yeah. the lowest total amount of time elapsed on these games. Uh, Oregon State <laughs> is contending for fewest minutes of like actual real life time played of football in the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the week five game, Pat. Yeah. Friday night, nine o'clock Eastern. Banger. Utah coming to Corvallis. Banger. banger. Friday night banger. Love it. I don't think they're going to oh. win this game. I don't think so either. But you do you want to get Utah early for playing Utah? God, I love a Friday night game in Corvallis. That is so. That's so good. That's so choice. A Friday you night. You should game go to this game at, dude. Uh, against Utah, man. I'm afraid. I, I think that Utah State might also be playing on Friday night that oh, week. I'm checking um, the schedule. Also, I will also say Corvallis is like 24 hours away from me. <laughs> oh, it's not that far. You can. You can. Make everything it. is. Um, everything is really, really far away. Um, not here. I'll tell you. They I'll, play. They play a Saturday. It's a road game at Utah, dude. You can go. Oh, I could. Um, let me tell you how far away Corvallis is from where I live. Um. <laughs> So, I'm predicting 13 hours. Uh, I think the answer might surprise you. Let's see here. It's loading. Oh, it's only 11 hours and 19 minutes. Yeah, that's reasonable. 700 miles away. I could do that. <laughs> well, not... I'll, 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 I'll contribute to paying for a hotel for the company card. Uh-huh. If you go. I don't think they would uh, credential me, but it would be fun if they did. It would be nice if, if you ask to... now, you might have a chance. Maybe. Um, probably fly in. Let's talk about this off the probably air. Just you fly into Portland. I don't know. Are oh, you taking charter a charter plane? Yeah, probably. See what I um, what I need is there to be trains. I could just take a train to Corvallis in preparation yeah. for them being in the Mountain West. But you um, would be stimming, unfortunately, the train. You'd be too overexcited. You'd I, have to have someone to accompany you. Yeah, I, I would write. I would write thirty five articles <laughs> on the train. I would be, would <laughs> you'd be. be you'd be asking the conductor if he could honk the honk the, the yeah. whistle for you. Yeah, I'd be up there. Um, I'd be sitting on his lap. He'd show me how everything works. It would be a really good time. <laughs> for me. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, yeah, four and one, four and one, but it could uh, be five they, and zero. Oh. Not impossible at all to see them winning. That. Not impossible. Could be five and one because they go at Cal. Yeah, uh, which they should win that game. 
UCLA comes to town October 14th for the bye week. I think that gonna, is a winnable game. I think they're going to get one of them or Utah. I, I would I would feel better about them getting UCLA than I would about Utah. I think Utah's probably a little bit too stout for that. I think they could absolutely get UCLA. Yeah. And it gives us some runway to kind of figure out this team a little bit. Yeah. Per, um, I mean, per UCLA S- is a little soft. Yeah. I, I'll say per SP plus Oregon State is favored in that game. They're favored in that game by almost two points. Like they, that they Plus home field advantage, yeah. They could, yeah. Plus the home field advantage, like they could win that game. I think that they, I think they could totally win that game, and that would be uh, what six and one to start. Six and one going to the bye week, followed up by at Arizona, at Colorado, home against Stanford. <laughs> That's nine and one. That's nine and one right there. That's nine and one. I think they will unfortunately get shredded by Washington and Oregon. Yeah. Uh, on defense. Yeah. I I, I think that's Man. a nine and three team. Man, I think eight is, and four is probably yeah. This schedule is ridiculous. You get you get <laughs> the only road this, the only road game that you really need to worry about is at Oregon. It's the last game of the season. You get Washington yeah. at home, UCLA at home, and Utah at home. Mm. Yeah. This is a this is like a seven and five team with a nine and three schedule. Yeah. The, I I will say. And I don't think I believe this fully yet, but we've talked about this on the message board. If ever there was going to be a time that college football would deliver a good outcome in a bad situation, it would be Oregon State winning the Pac-12 this year. Like, objective, it just <laughs> would be. Um, and the schedule has set up that that could happen. The schedule, ha- it is not impossible that that could happen. It's true. Um, also, sorry, I got distracted while you were talking. I'm sorry to be a dickhead here. Uh-huh. Um, there was an article served to me on the slide at the fbschedules.com website here where it says Fresno State's 2023 home opener to make college football history. Yeah. Do you know what the history being made is? Unfortunately, I do because I, I think I saw oh, a Matt okay. Brown tweet about it that it's going to be on like Telemundo or something. <laughs> it's on UD Moss, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the first ever uh, solely Spanish language college football broadcast. Let's go. That's um, awesome. Who, were, who did you say that they're playing? Uh, Eastern Washington. Why is that the, <laughs> why is that the Spanish only <laughs> broadcast? <laughs> Not clear. Uh, their university president is one of the most Spanish names of all time. Uh-huh. It's Saul Jimenez Sandoval. Oh man. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That could be strong name, dude. I love all my friends Argentina that have like five names. By the way. Yeah. Um, you have to get yeah. all of your Argentine, all of your Argentinian friends to watch that game to make it seem like the rate. You got to get the ratings up for that game to get more of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'll see what I can do. Tell them to tell a friend. Um, yeah, I'll tell a friend. Uh, yeah. Anyway, look. I mean, nine and three. I, I think. They, could they lose in Arizona with a passing attack? Is that possible? Probably not. No. Probably not. I don't. Um, I don't think that Arizona is serious enough about football to beat Oregon State. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I, I'm just worried that Uigalei could throw a couple interceptions and lose a stupid game. But I, I agree. I, I'm willing to stick with nine and three because I have faith in Jonathan Smith. But yeah, I, th- I eight, think it comes out. Feels I likely. think it comes out yeah. into the wash to nine and three. I think that this is roughly a seven and five level team with a nine and three or ten and two schedule. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Right. Um, let's talk about an speaking 0 of a team that's not going to go nine and three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about an zero and twelve team with an zero and twelve schedule. <laughs> yeah, West Coast Tom Allen has been fired. David Shaw is gone. Um, <laughs> they're calling Christ. him Patrick Sherrill without the scandals. <laughs> West Coast Tom Allen he won like twelve games a couple times. Yeah, yeah, he didn't deserve it. Tom Allen wasn't um, like good at any point. He had one good year. <laughs> Whatever they uh, West Coast Conference Cheryl without the scandals. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Uh, they brought in Troy Taylor, who's a Kyle Whittingham disciple here. Yeah. Um, who was at Sac State for three years and had a three-year run with all of them being top ten seasons. Um, it, it's fine. The staff's fine. 
uh, I, I, mean, I don't know. He hired a few good Wisconsin assistants that I like as yeah. defensive coaches here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good stat. I mean, that's a good program to hire from when you're looking for defensive coaches. Honestly, I don't, I don't know that we need to talk about these guys in any great detail. It's going to take a minute for this, for this yeah. to do anything. I like Troy Taylor. We talked about this a little while ago. I like Troy Taylor. There's nothing here. Like there's, there's just, there's nothing here. There's nobody here. There's not any players on this roster. They don't have anything. There's nothing right. to be excited about. Like EJ Smith at running back is okay. I, I think he's, he's, I like him. I yeah. really like David Bailey. I'll say that. Yeah. David Bailey is, is pretty good at linebacker. I like the tight end. Is it, is it uh Benjamin? Eurosec. Yeah. Benjamin yeah. Eurosec. Um, that's it though. They're like, you, you have a point here later on about the offensive line. They, they yeah. just don't have enough guys. They, they, this is Colorado. If Colorado didn't bring in any of that impressive skill talent, there's nothing here. Right. And that's because of like just the, the transfer restrictions at Stanford. You just can't get a lot of these guys. But like, you got to find a way. You got to be tampering with Ivy Leaguers, right? You got to be offering them like NBA programs here. Sure. Um, it's, it's bad, dude. Like, yeah. it's going to take them years to fix this. Yeah. I know you already know the stat, but they have nine scholarship offensive linemen total yeah. and seven scholarship defensive linemen in a three, four front. Yeah. They barely, they don't have a two deep on offensive line on scholarship players. And they have one player more than a two deep on defensive line. Yeah. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really they, they not. can't, they're, they're not going to be able to play. Like they're going to forfeit games. <laughs> there are, yeah, there are frankly just not enough uh, people here. That's not enough offensive linemen. You need to have, you need to have more offensive linemen than that. I, I don't think that this is it's it's like kind of unprecedented to have that few offensive linemen as a power five school. It's not enough people. It just isn't. No. Yeah. Um I guess they also play a team that doesn't have many players with Hawaii, so that's cool for them. Sure. Um they play Hawaii week one in the row. They probably win that game, right? I'll give them that one. Sure. Um I guess. The second win is coming on week three against Sacramento State at home. Mm. Um, besides that, they are losing all ten games. We can talk about it if you want. But they're losing every other game besides that. Yeah, pretty much. They need to. They need to be doing like an NIL deal where it's like a you get you get to have dinner with Jay Z, except it's with one of their pervert graduates, right? You can have you can have <laughs> dinner with one of our many perverts. You can have the Napster founder over yeah. for dinner. Yeah, you can talk to Lynn Bosack. That would be cool, right? He's the co-founder <laughs> of Cisco Systems. Wouldn't you like to talk to him? Wouldn't that be good for you? You could get, you could get big time. Is that a real guy? Did you know? Yeah, that's, the a, real, that's a real founder. guy. Well, I'm looking currently at the Stanford University uh, notable business company founders. So, uh, Reed Hastings, he's the Netflix founder. You could talk to him. I know him. What about yeah. Kevin Hartz? <laughs> the Z. He's the co-founder um, of Eventbrite. You could chat with that guy. Wow. And yeah. we all love what they've done to the ticket system. That's been awesome. For, yeah. For what about Stanley universe. Kennedy Sr.? I think he's probably long dead because he graduated in 1912, but he's the founder and chairman of Hawaiian <laughs> Airlines. Did you know that okay. Phil Did you know that Phil Knight graduated from Stanford? What are you doing? Finance in Oregon, motherfucker. Get, what are you, what's wrong with you? Speaking of Hawaiian Airlines, Disloyal. I got so fucking mad on my flight home uh, from Charlotte to New York this week uh, that I was looking up what the average space in between seats were per airline in the world. Yeah. It's um, fucked up. It, it's, United, United it's, is smaller. It's 31 inches. Uh, um, it's really fucked up. There's, there are some yeah. that's like 28, right? There are some that are even, there's like even one lower. in the world. It's 28. Yes. Yeah, they pretty much are all in the ballpark between 30 and 32. Yeah. Tell you what, that extra inch makes a difference. Uh, which 
which is also what my girlfriend says. Yeah, a lot of people um, have been saying but... that recently. They have, <laughs> listed on the on the notable Stanford University people is exactly one sports person, uh, Virat Badwar, an Indian-Australian golfer. I can't imagine that that's the only one. Come on. Didn't Tiger Woods go to Stanford? Yeah, <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> I think he did. Andrew Luck, another one just off the top of my head. I feel like these guys yeah. maybe. Christian Mark, McCaffrey. Think, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. Mark Madsen, I believe, went to Stanford. I just, come on. There, there's got to be maybe a couple more than that. <laughs> Oh, they had a good oh, way. Here, here we go. This is, this is a, a, an yeah. athlete who has since done something else. You could have lunch with Cory Booker. That might be fun. <laughs> <laughs> he could just say anything. He Cory Booker is like the most sexless man in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's what the average Stanford athlete is. Like those guys do not fuck. They yeah. fuck less than BYU players. Yeah. You could talk to Doug Burgum or Mitt Romney. That might be fun. <laughs> Come on. Mitt Romney to Stanford? Uh, Mitt Romney attended Stanford. I don't know if he graduated from Stanford. Huh. All right. That's not, I'm, I'm done with these guys. These, these are yeah. perverts and freaks, so anyway, I hate. Yeah, you I can, like you can three have, of their players, you, you and they should have, be arrested. You could do an NIL deal to have lunch with any of these people, and it would be like having lunch with Jay-Z. Do you know where Mitt Romney was born, real quick? Mm, Wyoming. Detroit, Michigan. Mm, that's pretty funny. What are you doing there? How'd you get there, Mitt? What happened? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> That's fun. That's he's a fun, talk, he's fun talking character. about um, going to Windsor with the boys. What about, imagine gambling addicts making Rom- Romney. Kind of yeah. a fun character. I think we can make that happen. Um, okay, yeah, two and ten. I have no other thoughts on Stanford. I don't need to talk about these guys. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, hmm. UCLA, right? I heard of them. Yeah. Year five with Chip Kelly. He has six new coaches. Or, sorry, sorry. Six new coaches last year. Um, he has a new defensive coordinator this year as Bill McGovern died in, in May due to yeah. cancer. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, so I they, mean, this is, I would say, not the worst position to have a new coach. The defense has not been very good. It's unfortunate the circumstances no. under which they had to hire a new defensive coordinator, but it was not going very well. Yeah, they have a couple new guys. They brought in uh, Anthony Lynn's kid, uh, DeAnton Lynn, okay. um, which is kind of a French gaming convention, kind of cool. Um, and <laughs> a little bit of a French hire, like Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> they brought in uh, Cody Whitfield, who's actually on Troy Taylor's staff at Sacramento State. Mm. Um, I don't know anything about him. Um, well, they I recognize that name. I do actually. I do recognize that name. I, I'm going to look up why he used I, to play ball. I think yeah. is why. Why do I? Um, he played at Stanford. Okay, he was a yeah. He was a wide receiver at Stanford. Yeah, okay. sounds right. Or then he was a safety. He was a wide receiver and then he was a safety. Sure. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Here's the offensive turnover, Patrick. Yeah, they lose three of their five starting linemen. They lose their starting quarterback and running back. They lose their top three tight ends and top two wide receivers. Hmm. Um, that's well. basically everyone. It's all transfers again because Chip Kelly does not care about recruiting. He does not want yeah. to recruit high school players. Yeah, it seems like basically the decision that he has made is, yeah, I will just bring in a new team every year. I will just go to the portal and I'll just bring in new guys every year and it won't matter. I'll have the most experienced team every season and then I'll just go get it again. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it worked last year. It it has not it, it 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 has not yet caught up to him. You have to think it would at some point, but they're pretty much just doing it again. They just went and got a bunch of. I'll tell you, with, the, with this schedule, it won't be this year. It won't yeah. be this year with the schedule. Cool. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know that. I think he's going to wriggle his way out of this jam. I don't think that. I don't think he's going to get him down. I think he's fine. He isn't Donald Trump of college football. I've been um, saying in that. a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, uh, so okay, defense. They lose two of the top three defensive tackles, both safeties and their nickel. 
but the corners linebacker and their ends are pretty much all intact, um, which is good. Uh, they brought in J. Michael Sturdivant at receiver. I like him a lot. Carson Steele at running back's a big name. Um, the quarterbacks are going to be brand new. Um, it's either uh, what's the fucker's name from uh, Colin Schley from Kent State or five-star freshman Dante Moore. Yeah. Uh, it seems like Moore is not winning the job yet in camp, but may do so. Yeah. Um, the receiver group is pretty pretty good overall. I mean, they they lost Bobo, but Sturdivant's here. They have Kyle Ford from USC. They have Cam Brown who's returning. Pretty good group. Um, I like that they have two Polynesian defensive linemen and um Leatu Latu and Jay Toya yep. were pretty good. Yeah, the um they're the the Murphy brothers are also good on the defensive line. Murphy uh, brothers are there. They kinda underwhelmed last year, but still good players. Yeah. I, I think um, in I think also, year two they should be better. Uh, I, I like getting yeah. those guys for two years. I think that's a good that's a good yeah. play. Uh Jordan Anderson came in at safety, the bowling green transfer. He's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um I don't know. I mean Losing Dorian Thomas Brown is a big deal. He's yeah. one of the most underrated quarterbacks in college football. He's very good. Yeah. Um, Charbonnet's also was one of the best running backs in college football. Like those are two really tough players to lose. I think the offensive line is pretty clearly worse based on who they have around them. Um, I'm a little skeptical of the J. Michael Sertovan stuff. I don't think that guy separates very well. He just kind of catches contested balls. He kind of reminds me of uh, J.J. Arcega Whiteside Stanford a few years ago, mm-hmm. which is like fine, but not, not like a, not a game changing receiver. Right. Like, for it to be a top 30 offense, it's going to represent like a pretty massive coaching success. Yeah. Um, which if this offense is not top 30, the whole thing does not work. Chip Kelly, that's this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the offense needs to be good. It needs these transfers to hit. I, I There's really, and like, I think they could, I, I think the offense should be fine. I'm worried about quarterback and, and the offensive line. It's going to get worse, but like, I think these skill guys are pretty good. I think Carson Steele's awesome. Um, they have a five-star at quarterback, like you said, with Dante Moore. In theory, that should be. I mean, this is a f- pretty friendly offense for a quarterback. I, I think. I think the offense is probably going to be fine. Yeah. Um, the defense again. Defensive tackles are pretty much brand new, except for Toya. Uh, the defensive ends, I think, are good. Like you said, Latu and the Murphy twins. Um, they have brought in Femi Aladajo at, at linebacker. Um, they're just okay. There, nothing special. There's not any playmakers. Um, the top corners are all back in rotation, but those guys were dog shit last year. They were really, really bad. Um, they don't really have anyone at nickel or safety. Uh, Anderson is making a big jump of competition from the Mac. He should be fine. But I think the secondary is pretty bad again. And again, pretty tough lead in a bad secondary. because You can just get passed on by pretty much every one of the teams. Everyone that's lead, that's what they all want to do. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's going to happen again. I don't know, man. It's like... UCLA to me is clearly a cut below the tier of USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington, and, and probably Oregon State, mm-hmm. but just has such a soft schedule that it won't matter. Yeah, let's um, talk about the schedule then. Let's let's uh, let's roll through this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they get Coastal at home throughout the season, which should be a win against the ten back guys. Yeah. Um, you have San Diego State on the road, which I, I think is a win, um, and NC Central at home. That's yep. a three and zero start. And you go to Utah for a nice, like, you know, welcome to the season moment. Yeah, that's there a nice tune-up. Yeah, you're getting a nice little tune-up there in Utah. They did smartly get their bye week after that, so that's good for them. Yeah. Um, their next uh, six games are are a, a pretty restful period besides one tough one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit. They get Wazoo at, they get Wazoo at home at Oregon State, which is the hard game, obviously, in a loss. They get at Stanford, home against Colorado, at Arizona, at or say home against Arizona State. Yeah. Um, 
That would be that that's was, a that that's be, an eight that, and two start. Yeah, that would be eight and two heading into the last two games of the season. They get USC at at home. It doesn't really matter. They're in the same town, and then uh, or they go at they go to USC, and then they get Cal at home. Um, that's nine and three, right? That that would be a, that would be a nine and three season. It's a pure nine and three. However, my prediction is just between like I don't love Coastal or San Diego State this year relative to like their perception as G five programs between those two yeah. Wazoo. Arizona on the road and, and Cal. Like, I think they can find a way to drop one extra and get to eight and four. Man, I really don't see any of those teams you just listed doing anything. I, to be honest, I, those are, I, I fear that those are purely mid football programs that you just, that you just rattled off. And I don't know that any of them, especially because most of those games are at home. I don't know that there's, I don't know if there's enough juice there. Uh, we can make them not in three, but I just think like all of that inexperience and newness leads to me. Like there's going to be some game with a freshman mistake quarterback where they they lose a game. They shouldn't lose. You would think, but also, also they're going to go to Utah and win that game for some reason. Right. Like that's, that's what happens. Yeah, I'm sure. Is that it'll come out. Yeah. It'll come out in the wash in a way that doesn't make sense. They'll, they'll land roughly where they should. They'll do it the wrong way. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Not in three. Yeah. Um, Okay, uh, USC, right? These are the ones. This is your favorite team, Patrick. You love USC. Yeah. Um, no coaching turnover at all. Everyone's back. Um, the offense is pretty much. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty pretty good here. They lose Travis Dyer running back, Jordan Addison at receiver. They do lose like their whole tight end room yeah, and also I, I, three offensive line. Yeah, starters, I'll but, say the yeah. offense for what they care about is intact. They don't they don't care yeah. about the offensive line or the tight ends or any of the things that make football go. Uh, but they have most of their receivers <laughs> and their quarterback back, and so they're fine. The offense is fine because they don't do. Anything. And it's going to be a top ten offense because of that, based yeah. on how they run it. Which is yeah, who cares? Yeah, they'll plug in new guys yeah. on the offensive line, and they won't ever try and actually run the ball behind them. They'll just make it up. They'll they'll just fake it and all the way through, and then they'll play two or three competent teams and they'll lose those games. It's, it's us. Yeah, for sure. The defensive front, I just, I all finished. I'll just be completist here. They do lose uh Brandon Peely, uh, it's a tackle, uh, who went to the Dolphins as a UDFA. And they also lost their top two defensive ends. Yeah. Um, truly to to below two is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nick Figueroa is, is pretty solid. And, um, yeah, I mean the back seven's nice. Like they, they only lost Makai Blackman at uh, at corner as a third round pick for the Vikings. Pretty much everyone else is back, but it's an Alex Grinch defense. These, these guys are going to suck. There's no point in really predicting otherwise. Yeah, I was going to be a. Gonna say, like, is that good yeah. news? Is it good that you have um, Bryson Shaw back at safety? Is that positive? Are we happy about that? I'm not. I wouldn't no. feel good about that if that was who I had back at safety. By the way, I want to shout out someone just for my preface article really quick here while thinking about it because you yeah. just reminded me of this. Um, the guy who writes about Oregon for SB Nation, which apparently still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, one of like the best college football autism guys of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he charts every game that every Pac-12 team plays, as well as every game played by a player that transfers into Oregon. Jesus. Um, yeah, he charts all of those games. Just great shit from him on this stuff. That's, that's awesome. And he is one of America's foremost Bryson Shaw haters. Yeah. And said, I think the line he said is, I was shocked that any team in the FBS took him, let alone USC, <laughs> to start him. Yeah. And then kept him back another year. Yeah. Like, he basically called it coaching malpractice and hates Alex Grinch. He, like, despises yeah. him. I mean, um, like, like, yeah, I, Bryson Shaw is horrible. Like, we've talked about Bryson Shaw before. He's horrible. He's a horrible, horrible football player. He's not, there's nothing good about his He's game. one of the worst I've ever seen. It is, yeah, it is, it is, it is and malpractice. Too, it is disgraceful uh, that this kid is playing FBS. Football, he's horrible. 
I got a shitty text from Mark Pantoni back in the day, Ohio State's recruiting director, yeah. back when I was a full-time guy covering recruiting, because he was the first guy that Alex Grinch offered and took equipment from uh, yeah. when he came to Ohio State. And I was like, this guy can't play. This guy sucks. Like, yeah. His high school film is bad. Hilarious. He looked good in high school, dude. Yeah. Yeah, this guy has never been good at football. He he's a career <laughs> liability for his entire his entire football. This is a lacrosse player. Go do something else. He's just he literally was a lacrosse player. He's yeah. just kind of a quirked up white boy who runs fast. That's it. He's yeah. kind of tall. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, um, I hate this guy. Yeah. yeah uh, look, the is back. The receivers are fucking sick. They have Dorian Singer. Um, they brought in Zachariah Branch, a five star receiver, number one receiver in the country. Uh, there's also Brennan Rice, Mario Williams, and Taj Washington. Uh, coming back to these guys, it's a really solid group. Like that, yeah. that receiver room is nasty. Um, they brought in Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina, who I think I won you over on as a transfer running back. Yeah, um, and he good. will start ahead of the returning Austin Jones from Stanford. Yeah. Um, Jones is just the, the most average running back in America. Like he's just in the perfect middle of the bell curve. Yeah. He, um, he is, Lloyd, in, he is right. in all ways, he is Austin Jones. He, at, at all <laughs> levels, the man is Austin Jones. He cannot be anything else. <laughs> 100 Uh, Lloyd is like sick though. When he's healthy, he is so twitched up. Like he's really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, they also have Relique Brown here, who's kind of a hybrid running back slot receiver. Um, he had 402 scrimmage yards and five touchdowns to true freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a really impressive weapon. And um, Terrell Bynum's here uh, is out of Washington, who was kind of the fourth receiver from Washington last year. Not sure why he'd rather be like the sixth receiver at USC than the fourth receiver at Washington, but whatever yeah um not my problem deuce robinson is a five-star tonight who came in here uh he also run in two other top 100 freshmen like just the skill uh, core overall why do five-star tight ends keep convincing themselves that they're going to be the ones who get used in this offense why do they keep doing this i guess there was they had one who was the oklahoma there was one oklahoma tight end it was was, um, it, was it the kid who transferred <laughs> and then transferred no, back that's austin soder the guy who's been with uh, the ravens oh, for mark, a few mark years andrews now. yeah mark andrews yeah mark good. andrews was a weapon for them yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was when he had that was when he had Baker Mayfield. You need to get a you need to get a quarterback who can't see over his offensive line, and then you can <laughs> then you can come play here. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, um, I wouldn't do it personally if I was a tight end. I would not. Uh, that might I mean that was a Stoops guy too. I think he was a Stoops recruit. Sure, but they used them. It's still it was still Riley calling the plays and yeah. signing the offense. Whatever. Um, yeah, look, okay. There's see look, the skill core of the quarterbacks, you guys get it. It's USC, you know what the deal yeah. is. Um, the offensive line, they return only two of their starters um here. And there were two others who started like as spot players with injuries, but were pretty, pretty fucking terrible. And they added three transfers with starting experience who are supposed to pop in here. Um, I'm pretty skeptical here, right? Like yeah. they have a right tackle, Jonah Monheim, who was just an absolute liability, one of the worst tackles in the Pac 12. Um, he was the reason, you know, one of the reasons Williams was hurt all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, their two transfer guards are Emmanuel Prenyon from, from Wyoming. Everyone got hyped about because of his body type yeah. and Jared Kingston from Wazoo. Both those guys are a lot more hype than production. Like yeah, yeah. Jared Kingston's not been very good. Yeah. And, um, and I would say on, on any offensive lineman from Wyoming, buyer beware, because it is not, it, it's not really the kind of system where you can be good you're just gonna be one of five guys you're not yeah you don't have to be good you're playing for wyoming you just need to be big it doesn't really matter yeah. if you're good at playing on the offensive line you just have to be there yeah. and put you in the right place yeah i, I mean the, the part for him is he has the physical talent right his wingspan's crazy he's six six like he yeah. he is pretty light in his feet like he's a basketball player he dunks a little bit like the kid can move but but he's not actually been good as a lineman yet yeah 
He's um, the, so he's the guy ideal in USC third. lineman. This is the perfect right. guy in his offense. I, I mean, look, you could argue a redshirt sophomore maybe takes a leap like in year three in, the, in a college program. I could see that happening, but like there's no guarantees here. Like, the only guy I actually think is solid is uh, Justin Dadich, uh, who is at center. is very good last year. I think he's yeah. going to be very good again. He's an NFL player. Um, Michael Tarquin comes in from Florida. He's, again, just like a deeply average power five starting tackle. I don't think he's anything special. Yeah. And also moving him from right to the left side. He was like a borderline guard tackle previously. Yeah. A guy who's a borderline guard playing left tackle for you and is not awesome here, especially when your right tackle sucks. This is like this is stupid. This is stupid what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like I think they have, have one some, pro player here. Have some self-respect. Come on. <laughs> If I agree, if you want to be optimistic, I don't know why you would, but if you wanted to, you could say their top seven linemen have combined for 105 college starts so far, which is a fair amount of experience. I think that's exactly. I think that's exactly what they would say if they wanted you to be convinced of their offensive line. I think that would be the first and pretty much the only stat that they would cite. Is we've played yeah, a lot of games. You've heard me talk about. You've heard me talk about all these teams so far. Who has the D line besides maybe Utah? We'll talk about soon to take advantage of this. Like, well, who are the players that D line the Pac-12 that can do something about it? Um, hmm. Let me see. I think UCLA could be could be a, a, a sort of an impediment for this offense. I mean, this offensive line is not going to be very good. Is the thing? I don't think it's going to be. That I agree. Hard. I agree. Like, I'm agreeing uh, with you. I, yeah. I, I, Oregon, I think probably has the sheer talent to do it. Oregon State, we like that defensive line a decent amount. I don't know that there's a complete defense other than Utah's that can do much of anything against these guys, but I don't know. I, I don't think it's impossible to think that Caleb Williams is going to be running for his life all season. Yeah. Um, I mean, he would prefer that. He's going to do that even if he's not under pressure. He loves to do that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're right, whatever. But I, yeah, look, and they suck. Okay, we get it. Like, the offensive line sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's all just elementary because, like, we know who Caleb Williams is. And like you said, the fact he loves to do that, and we know what these receivers are, and we know who Lincoln Riley is. It's going to be a top five or ten offense again. It's just what it is. Like, yeah. even though the O line sucks, they're they're probably going to collapse some critical game and cost them a, cost them a win. Yeah, but it's still a very productive offense. It's just it's a Lincoln Riley offense. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna um, it's gonna be it's gonna be top five, and then the defense is going to have to go onto the field and that's going to be a problem, which it has been forever for this guy. It's it's going to be the same exact thing. No matter how many discarded Georgia players they bring in, they're still not going to be good on defense because those guys fundamentally are not good at defense. That's the problem. Alex Grinch is your coach. It doesn't matter. It does not matter who you bring in. Yeah, it, it's just too transfer heavy too, right? Like Even if it wasn't Alex Grinch, if you had someone who's actually good at coaching football, mm-hmm. um, you can't just bring in a whole defense in the board and have it work overnight. Like Defenses don't work that way. You need to... like you need to have some cohesion here. Like you need to learn the system. You need to have some awareness of it. Like it doesn't work this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your culture, look, your, I, your culture guys on this defense are Bryson Shaw. That's, that's what this is. That's what this program is doing on defense. That's the culture guy. That's the senior. Alex leader. Grinch. I, I really do hate his fucking guts. Like I don't think there's any coach in college football who I hate more than Alex Grinch. Um, he's been a DC for like what eight or nine years now? Yeah. You know, last time you had top forty scoring defense or top forty defense and passer rating allowed. Just this whole thing, by the way, the whole thing is selling out to stop the pass. Yeah. The last time they had a top forty defense and scoring or passer rating, do you know the answer? No. Was it when he was at Washington State? It was in Washington State in 2017. Yeah. Aside from the COVID year, which does not count because they played like four games the COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. 
that's nuts that he managed to get uh, as far as he has off of that. And it's mostly Lincoln Riley's fault because he's stubborn and he refuses to it's admit insane. that he's wrong. It's insane. It's like, honestly, I talk, you and I talk a lot of shit on Ryan Day, obviously. Yeah. And Ryan Day is also a bad staff builder. He at least would never, t- like, he would not tolerate this yeah. for this long. Ryan like, he at Day, least moves on. Like, he makes Day, bad hires, but he moves on from them. Yeah, Ryan Day very obviously feels shame much, much stronger than Lincoln Riley ever could. Lincoln Riley has absolutely no regret at all about any of the losses he's ever taken. He has not learned anything from them. He will not learn anything from them. He's telling you this. <laughs> he stands up there and he says this. I'm not learning anything. I'm right. I will eventually punch my way through this, despite never learning anything. I will continue to fuck up in the same ways because I'm right. I'm the smartest guy in the room. And he's not. He's not. He's going to do the same shit that they always do. I'm, I'm so, I hate this guy. I'm I, so I, sick I, of this I motherfucker. I disdain him. Oh yeah, my God. And everybody's going to buy it again. They're going to do the same thing. They didn't change anything. Why would it be different? It won't be. Let, let me at least just, just to be, for the sake of completion, let me just talk to the defense. Really yeah. I'll just... I'll speak on this. Defensive tackles here. They have Barry Alexander from Georgia, Jack Sullivan from Purdue, and Keon Barnes from Arizona. That's the interior defensive line. Um, Alexander, Alexander has tons of hype. He played less than 200 snaps last year for Georgia. Yeah. And like the clips you see posted from him for the most part, like he had a couple <laughs> big plays. The like one, in, in, the like one that you, I think that was it that was it that you quote tweeted the one where he's just like the guard isn't even paying oh, attention yeah. to him. It was against Offer. It was against Offer. The guard just didn't pick him up. And he like, even then, he had a completely free lane through the A gap, or sorry, through the B gap rather, directly at the quarterback. And he still ran too far upfield. Yeah, yeah, and the like, tweet, the tweet accompanying it was like Bear Alexander's a problem, and like the guard is like acting like there was an offsides, and he's just standing completely still. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It was really, really funny. Like he, it was like I don't think I think he's quick. It's also his sixth school in six years. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. We we have talked about this a little bit before. There's a reason he's here. He's not at Georgia anymore for a reason. It's not just that he wanted to be at UC at USC, right? It's like you don't yeah. just leave that defense for no reason. It's not like he was a superstar there. He got fucking processed. He got kicked out. Well, no, no, no. no. I, I wouldn't say that. I, I would push back on that. They, I'll say this right They didn't process, and they wanted him to stay, but they were going to make him actually like improve and his like. And not as a person because Georgia hates that. Yeah. But like as a as a person who like cares about the football team, uh, they were going to make him take football seriously, and he refused to do that. I would argue that that is a way to process kids. <laughs> I would argue that if you have like f- former blue chip players who are not producing, and you basically challenge them like, "Hey, you got to step up," and they leave, that's processing. That is, it's not. Direct, yeah, fair It's enough, not fair directly. Enough, yeah. They weren't stopping him. Georgia was it's, not it's, like, "Oh no, don't leave." Is, maybe that's true but it's also the only program in america where they couldn't afford to process him because they have three nfl defensive tackles there yeah um but besides the point it's all besides the point um sullivan's the actual best player alligator's the most hyped one sullivan's a good player um i like him for that purdue their ends are pretty shitty uh they have solomon bird and romello bird uh back here at defensive end i assume they're related um and they also have a former five star Corey Foreman who's done nothing for two seasons uh they brought in two transfers uh, that basically served those guys with Georgia State's Jamil Muhammad uh and Texas A&M's Anthony Lucas uh I do like Lucas a little bit but again played very few reps kind of just the type of reputation guy at this point um Solomon Tuliapupu came over from middle they converted from middle linebacker to play defensive end um he was recruited like 225 pounds is now like 265 Oof. uh I'm just gonna say he's like 6'1 I'm gonna sell on that I'm gonna say no thanks yeah um I'm good on that uh, 
I think the defensive front's pretty weak, and it's, again, all brand new. Um, no cohesion here. They have four linebackers. Uh, Oklahoma State's Mason Cobb transfer, and he's actually good. The returning starters, Eric Gentry and Shane Lee, suck. Um, junior Rayshon Davis uh, was kind of hurt one of his first two years, and then was stuck behind these two guys last year. I'm a little confused why he didn't play more, because I do like his physical talent, and everyone wanted him. Um Maybe they're just wrong about him. He's not actually not that good, but I don't, I don't think so. I think he's pretty hard to player. Again, they'll have a four-man rotation there. He'll play. Yeah. Um, corner is strong. Uh, they have Sierra Wright returning. There's also second-year former five-star, Tony Jackson. They brought in Christian Roland Wallace from Arizona, who started 37 games the last four years. That's a pretty good rotation, right? That's probably the best three-corner group in the league, which is not saying much given how bad these secondaries are. But those guys can at least play. And they also have Jacob Covington and Traquan Fagans here, uh, who are from Washington, Alabama, respectively. That's like a big physical and athletic top five. Again, they're coached by Alex Grinch. They won't be good, but they do have a talent where they could be theoretically if a different coach coached them. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is not to say anything, I guess. But yeah. yeah. If, um, if they all simply made better decisions about where they decided to go to school, basically. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have Max Williams and Bryson Shaw at nickel and strong safety. Uh, and Kalen Bullock is, is at free safety. Kalen Bullock's at least decent. Um, I think he was... He like lay, he was one of the top intercepting players in the country last year. That's mostly because the corners got beat deep so often, and no, and, and, and like Bryson Shaw was nowhere near the play that Bullock just like had like a thousand deep throws come his direction that he caught a few of them. Yeah, uh, because again, a lot of these quarterbacks were pretty bad. But this second, the safeties are like, shitty too. I mean, Zion Branch was a five star who I think should. He was a he was a freshman last year. Yeah, uh, he should play this year. Yeah, I think it, should usurp one of these guys. Again, I, I would it say, sounds cringe. Yeah, yeah, I would say any reasonable team would play him over Bryson Shaw. It, it would even of if course. even if he's not yeah. good. He's a former five star. He might be good at some point. Bryson Shaw is not going to be good. But we saw this from Grinch. He was at Ohio State, and I'm sure other places too. I just know it at Ohio State. Yeah, which is that like when he has bad players, the players reps he will stick to his first evaluation and not change his opinion based on new information. He's the perfect yeah. guy for like the ride. They're yeah. both stubborn dickheads. Yeah. They, they, that's why they, that's why they are. They, they, yeah, like you said, that's why they're so perfect for each other. And also it's, it's so funny with him because it's not like he has some complicated defense. It's not like, Oh, you have to be four years into the program to understand what we're doing. He doesn't do anything. It's so simple. It's base. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's absolute just base. base. It's, we're going to run cover three. Do you know that you have to be a senior to know how to play cover three. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and like, again, this defense was pretty bad last year, despite being eighth in the country in turnovers per game. Yeah. And this is not like a defense that forced turnovers. They didn't like affect the quarterback and then benefit from it. They just caught some deep pass because everyone was playing catch up on them. Yeah. Like they're going to regress on turnovers. This is a mediocre to poor defense in the power five. Yeah. Um, I think like a top 50 or 60 defense, nothing better than that. Um, it's just, it's a known quantity, right? You have a dazzling collection of stars on offense. Uh, the offensive line is pretty bad. and get your quarterback hurt for at least a game or two, and your defense will suck. That's the team. It's something like a rally team. So they always do. It's the same team it is every year. Yep. Yep. Let's talk about the schedule. They're going to start 6-0. and I don't think we even really need to talk about the first six games. Yeah, San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State, Colorado, Arizona, with the yeah. bye weeks in the middle there. Yeah, they're going to start 6-0. Um, and They're going to be like second in the AP poll. Everybody's going to give them all of the hype in the world. And then they're going to close out the season uh, with a, a pretty – pretty difficult stretch of six games that I think will adjust some things pretty quickly. Yeah, this is the, the schedule here. I'm going to read through all of it. Then we'll talk about the games. Yeah. Um, it's at Notre Dame night game, October 14th home against Utah 
at Cal, home against Washington, at Oregon, home against UCLA. Yeah. And then they also scheduled smartly. Um, they played a week zero games. They got two bye weeks. Yeah. So credit to them here. It's actually kind of a clever move. They have a bye week on rivalry weekend uh, before potentially play the Pac-12 title. That is a smart move if you make the Pac-12 title. It's yeah. also a dangerously arrogant move that if you drop more than two of these games, which you very well could do, and you miss that game, you, everyone's going to be making fun of you all weekend. And yeah. I can't wait for it. Every, yeah, and they also will be forgetting about you as a potential playoff team if you have one loss because like, the, the, you will not be playing on that big weekend. You won't have anything to show for it. It's just it's it could go really well if they are playing well and if they are like yeah looking like a playoff team they get a nice break there before the Pac-12 title game they've learned their lesson from losing to Utah I guess but I don't think that's guaranteed at all I think there's a very good chance they could have two losses going into that week and it's just like yeah it's just funny it's everybody is laughing at them for doing this yeah I think I'll take losses like Utah and Washington or something like that, or UCLA. Yeah. Like they'll lose two it, games here. Yeah, I don't it, know how. It's really, of those... it's really hard to imagine that they don't lose two of at Notre Dame, Utah at home, Washington at home, at Oregon and UCLA at home. It's really hard to imagine they don't lose two of those games. Cause you know, Kale will be banged up by then. So. They could lose at California with all of that. It's right in the middle of that. That's not an, they definitely that's, 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 that's like, a, that is a classic trap game. That's like yeah, a, there's not going to be like any, drawn up in the playbook trap. Game. Yeah, there's not going to be anybody in the stadium. There's going to be no hype around the game. Like I think you said it was on Halloween weekend. Like that is, yeah, that's a terrible, terrible time for that game. That is absolutely the kind of game that they would lose. Yeah. They're going to lose two games on the stretch here. And yeah. It'll be like an 11 o'clock kickoff too. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're they're. It's going to be the same thing that it has been. I don't see any reason to believe that it's going to be anything than than what it has been. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Utah. Um, they lose one. They lose one assistant here. Chad Bumpfist is gone at receiver coach. He's gone at Mississippi State. He's on the monitor. Chad Bumpfist. What? <laughs> um, here's the tough news. Three of their four first-team All-Pac-12 players are gone. Mm. Uh, that's Clark Phillips at cornerback, uh, tight end Dalton Kincaid, and offensive tackle uh, Braden Daniels. Um, eight total starters are gone. Uh, and also you lost uh, Gabe Reed and Mohamed Diabate. It's probably two of the biggest names to know from that group. Yep. Um, they do return two key players who were pretty impactful in 2021. They come back and missed all of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple secondary transfers. Like, they're... I, I, I mean, it's, um, it's it's kind of hard with those two guys coming back. It's kind of hard for me to be worried about a Utah team that, in effect, returns sixteen starters. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, if they're healthy, it's 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 good. But yeah. the problem is, Cam Rising's coming off a pretty serious injury. They're saying he's going to play Week One. I'm still waiting and seeing on that one. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, Brant Keithy's back, but he is like. He loves to be hurt. He's the most hurt man in America. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He missed. He missed he's like the character in Ed and Eddie that's always in a, a full body cast. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, basically, like, the, the, I'm sorry. I don't know why my brain's starting off for a second here. I'm kind of tired. But, like, Cam Rising is very, very good. And if he's back, they're in a fine place on offense. Um, because they have Michael Bernard, Jackson Jackson back at running back, even though Tavion Thomas is like in jail or whatever. Um, Brad Keithy's back. Their top two receivers and Davon Veli and Money Parks um, are back. Uh, they should be perfectly fine on offense, right? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. The 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 offensive front is pretty damn solid again. 
they have what uh, five players who combined for 83 combined starts um, are, are here. They did lose two players who started uh, last year as full-time players, but uh, again, they get someone back from injury and also Falcon uh, Kumatule is a six foot eight junior who everyone has some real excitement behind. Yeah. Um, he can end up kind of lobbying for a starting spot here. Yeah. The old line is a Utah line. It's going to be very good under yeah. Jim Harden. It always is. Yeah. This is, um, this is another deal where you can trust that there will be development here and they will be fine, especially with three starters back. I think they're, I think they're totally fine. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about Utah and where the rubber hits the road here for them and, and why I think it's, in my opinion, probably not going to be a three peat in the Pac 12, despite all the returning starters. First of all, I think their high finish in, in the analytics on defense were a little bit fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Um, they finished 27th in SP plus and 26th in F plus, but they played both Oregon and USC when they had injured starting quarterbacks uh, and were kind of not at their full strength. Um, and they also have like three playable corners and four playable safeties, like none of whom are like clearly good starters. Uh, I, I guess they have, I like one of their safeties, but like with Phillips gone, I don't really know who can cover some of these receivers in the Pac-12, which is a very good position group. Um, I like their defensive front. Uh, Tafuna and Reed are very good at linebacker, or, or, at, or defensive, uh, defensive line and linebacker, respectively. Um, I think the pass defense is probably a little bit worse. Rush defense is probably a little bit better. I think it's probably like a top 35 defense, but not necessarily like a top-end Utah defense that kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's all. I think that's all fair. Yeah. Um, they do like Miles Battle, I'll say that. They brought him in at corner from Ole Miss. He's six foot four at corner. Um, Ooh. and they do also have Cole Bishop at safety. I mean, like there are some guys who could make plays, but like yeah, I, I don't know. An Ole Miss corner had to transfer out. I'm not I'm not well. I, I like to Travis Broughton as well at cornerback. I think he could be I, I think he could be in for a year of improvement, basically. Um I, I'm I'm inclined as I usually am with Utah to trust the development and to trust that these guys yeah. will, will get better and that the defense will be I would say top 30, I, I think, is probably probably fair. Okay. They should fire the rest of the C coach. Um, okay. They're one of the most hurt teams every year. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I wonder what... Uh, it's... Yeah. I, I'm, we'll, we'll have to... Once we finish this episode, we'll have to figure out what tree he's from because yeah. that's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, let's see the schedule here. I, I mean, this is your baby. I, I kind of, I'm sorry. I kind of breezed through them, but you can talk more about them if you want to. No, Anything that's fine. I, they're, they're not okay. my, they're not really that, that much of my, I like these guys. I think they're good. I just, I didn't. Yeah. I, I think you hit on most of it. But, yeah. They have a pretty tough opening stretch here, dude. I yeah. mean, like their first it's five a, games, it's a brutal start. Yeah. It's, it's a really, really hard start to the season. Um, it, it's, it opens off Thursday night game home against Florida. Um, if you have Cam Rising, you're going to win that game. If you don't, that's that could be a dogfight. Yeah, who's um, playing quarterback for Florida? It's Graham Mertz. I'm not worried about Graham Mertz. I'm going to be honest. I don't think that... I'm not <laughs> either unless Cam Rising's not playing. Yeah. Because well, if Cam Rising's hurt, who's playing quarterback for Utah? Is it going to be worse than Graham Mertz? Maybe. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to be worse than Graham Mertz. Uh, our, our friend uh, Victoria at Turfback Queer on Twitter yeah. was posting. I, I, she dug up a video from when NIL first got announced, and Graham Mertz. I don't know if he cleared the rights to this, but had his NIL announcement video with his like personal brand yeah. with the song "I Got Five on it. So he's number five. <laughs> I think I remember. Uh, I think I remember this. 
<laughs> really funny video. That's so good sick. Good work from her too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like um, the, the thing is, and we're, we're this is not the SEC preview. If Florida couldn't coordinate a competent offense around a, a quarterback who could run as well as Anthony Richardson, I don't know why they would do it around a guy who can't run and also can't pass like Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I feel like it would just be worse. Yeah, and I think the receivers got worse too. Like I, I think Florida's probably pretty bad. But, yeah, I, I think um, I think Utah's going to win that game with me at quarterback. I don't think it would be that big of a problem. Again, and I'm not buying into the SEC shit. I, I don't want to do that here, but like the SEC in September non-cons or August non-cons in this case, yeah, it's a pretty good track record. Yeah, they they do have to come to Utah on a Thursday night, which no one yeah. from Florida has ever successfully done. It does not go well for you. If you're... Sure, they can do it in the swamp, but can they do it on a rainy August night in Rice Eccles Stadium? Yeah, it's not going to be rainy. It's going to be hot. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be hot in a really unpleasant way. It's going to be it's going to be hot yeah. in a way that that it hurts the skin. It's not uncomfortable. It's painful. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a win. I'm more worried about at Baylor. The next week, which is funny because I, I don't really love this Baylor team, but I also don't love going to Baylor early in the season. Yeah, nor do I. That's a tricky game. Yeah. And they get, at least Weaver State's an easy win. And then just to like look at the whole picture, they also get UCLA at Oregon State. Yeah. I, I think it's probably four and four and one, right? Out of that stretch. I think four and one sounds fair. I think they probably lose. If they have Cam Rising, I think it's four and one. If they don't, it's probably three and two. Yeah. And then the bye week. Yeah. Good time for a bye week. So let's call it four and one. Let's let's give them credit on Cam Rising and believe them. Yeah. We call it four and one. Um bye week, then I'm just gonna read off the whole schedule because it's a brutal back half mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Yeah. It's Cal at home at USC, home against Oregon, home against Arizona State, at Washington, at Arizona, home against Colorado. Yeah. Um, I mean, they play the top three teams in the league besides themselves. Yeah. They play the top they play the block five teams in the league besides themselves. You look at the whole schedule in a period of, what, like six or seven weeks? Yeah. Or in a period of eight weeks, they play the top five teams in the league besides themselves. Yeah. That's um that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. I, I think that they, they obviously, I think they get California, Arizona State, Arizona, and Colorado without much trouble, which would be eight wins. Agreed. Um, and then you look at what uh, USC, Oregon, Washington, and is that it? That's the other. Yeah, that's the other three. They. I think this is a nine and three ball club. Big picture. Yeah, probably nine and three. I am. Um, I'm. I'm about as confident as you could possibly be in picking what will be an underdog on the road. I'm about as confident as I possibly can be that these guys are going to beat USC again. Um, so I would say that that's that's nine right there. Oregon and Washington, I feel less I let I feel less confident about. I, I think ten and two yeah. is totally possible. I think it's probably ten and two as a maximum though. I think ten and two and eight and four are both perfectly possible, but I would pick nine and three to stay safe. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Yeah. Um I am looking forward to that Friday night game at Oregon State we talked about already. I am really excited about that. Yeah, that's um, going to be sick. All right. Two last teams, Patrick, here. We are, we are, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a 12 team league, dude. God uh, damn it. Yeah, we spent um, too long on the bad teams. That's That one is our bad. We and always also do that. something that we we're not going to, it. yeah, we're not going to learn a lesson from. Um, yeah. I don't even know how it happens because it feels like we go through them so fast. And then you look and it took an hour to talk about Cal. Yeah. Ugh. What are you going to do? All right. Well, Washington, coaching staff fully intact. Um, they lose their running back and their three interior linemen from last year. Um, and Bizarre did not take a single transfer yeah. uh, despite having like no good backups. Really, really bizarre. I don't really understand that at all. Yeah. Scott Huff was their own line coach. He's 
not very good. I think he had a good reputation. He's not a good line coach, in my opinion. They should think about firing him. Um, the defensive ends uh, lost two of their top four players with Jeremiah Martin and Savale Smalls off. Um, the top, two of the top four linebackers were also gone. Cam Bright was the best of those groups. Uh, he was gone. Uh, secondary lost deep safety Alex Cook and cornerback Jordan Perryman. Uh, Perryman was really bad, but Cook was pretty solid. Um, basically losing a lot of depth throughout, like basically every position. Like a lot of new names and the two deep everywhere. And they like to rotate and suppositionally. So a lot of new names and defense playing yeah. for defense that already pretty much sucked. Um, yeah, the, the defense is interesting because it sort of has the, the bookends largely intact like a lot of the line is is save for the depth a lot of the starting line is back and a lot of the safeties are back but there's not there's not a lot of meat between those buns basically there's a lot of new guys at linebacker a lot of new guys at corner. yeah and they usually love to have you between their buns yeah um yeah, that's a big, but that's a big thing for this program they always say we want <laughs> meat between our buns yeah they, they say that <laughs> i will say jalen trice or defensive end is to me is a definite nfl player probably a day two pick one of the better edge rushers in the country. Um, they have um, Tooley is the first name. I'm not going to pronounce his last name. I have to tackle. He is very, very good. It's Let's see here. Um, no, Tooley Gasanoa. No there's no way. I can't say that. Tooley Gasanoa. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Tooley Gasanoa. Um, sure. Okay, that's not that bad. That's just long. Yeah. All right. Just long. Zach Durfee Zach came in from a uh, division two. Uh, he was a dog. Uh, I think he's a pretty good player. Yeah. They brought in Jabbar Muhammad in the corner. They have some guys around in here who could play, but like, I like just Jab- again, not enough transfers. I like yeah. Jabbar Muhammad a lot. I think he's a good player. Yeah, he's fine. He's just the only good player in the secondary. He's not very big, which um, is unfortunate. He's like 5'10", but I, I, he's a good player. Yeah, I agree. Um, Okay. Um, what else here? Offense. I mean, you guys know the offense here, right? It's yeah. it's Michael Penix throwing the football. They have three of the best receivers in the country with Romeo Dunze, Jalen McDillon, and Jalen Polk. Um, it is clearly like it's best receivers in America, tier one of Ohio State, tier two, Washington, tier three, anybody else. Like yeah. it's clearly the next best group in the country. Um, very, very talented, deep group. Yeah. I guess the one downside to a nitpick here is they're all three the same guy. Like, there's no positional like versatility like them. They're all just like yeah, Z receivers who are forced to play different spots. Uh-huh. Um, which is I, I would I would imagine yeah works. I would imagine if they were in an NFL team that would be a problem. I think they're probably going to be fine here. Yeah, they're very good. They'll be very fine. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pettix is somehow still underrated. He's so sick. like. He's so sick. Dude, he's so sick. I was just... I, I was watching his stuff again, too. Again, I yeah. watched some All-22 from our buddy Kyron Samuels to do this stuff. I don't know if you know him. He's my buddy. I know him. Um, yeah. Tweet, he's Colton's friend, really. I kind of just stole him from Colton. Yeah. Um, the ball placement that Penix had last year, people think he's just like the same deep ball guy he was in Indiana where he was like, just chuck it and pray. Uh-huh. Some of these throws he hits downfield, dude, including across the middle of the field, are disgusting. Yeah. Like... He could not place the ball there. He has some stupid ones. Like that guy makes some still some bad choices on like ball, his balls he's forcing in there. Yeah. His arm confidence is probably a little bit too high. But man, when he's on, Jesus Christ. What was the game where he was just, it was like the second half, he was just, unco- I think it was the Michigan State game where they just, they couldn't touch him. There was nobody, it was not even, and Michigan State's defense had its own problems. But um, he did that for a lot of the season where, like you're saying, when he gets into that mode, um, there he there is a level to his game that I there's not there's you're not really going to see replicated elsewhere from any other quarterback in college football when he is at his best he is untouchable he is he is fantastic when he's playing really well and he was playing really well more often than he wasn't last year 
Yeah, agreed. Um, and he's a special player, man. Like, I mean, just with those those receivers and him at quarterback, like he, anything else is pretty much okay. Yeah, because they can make it work. Yeah, basically, uh, what I um, would say is that he is the perfect quarterback for what they have at receiver and what they want to do on offense. You could not find a better fit for what they're trying to do. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, there are some personnel changes the rest of the offense, though. Uh, Cam Davis is back at running back, uh, who was last year's number two back. They brought in Daniel Nyata from uh, Arizona State, Nada rather, and Mississippi State's Dylan Johnson. That's a pretty good running back group. They're obviously not going to run the ball a ton, but it's a good crew. Um, their tight ends, a little on the small side. They have Westover back, who is just fine. And then Josh Cuevas from the FCS, who is a pretty small kid as well. Um, pretty like like I don't know, They had some red zone problems last year. They didn't really finish the red zone very well. I think they were 48th in red zone scoring percentage. And um, that has to get better. And I think some of the size questions here uh, at tight end don't help, nor does the fact that they have a bad interior O-line, uh, particularly their right guard. Uh, when, the right guard is actually the diesel one, Nate Kalepo, but their center, Matteo Melli, and their left guard, Julius Bolo, are dog shit. Um, yeah. Really, really bad. They also, bizarrely, don't appear to be giving Gary and Hatchet or uh, guard Memelar, who are both uh, former blue chippers, excuse me, entering year three at guard, a chance to compete. Yeah. They're kind of just giving those jobs to those guys. Um, it's a, it, like, it's, uh, to me, if this costs them a game, it's a fireable offense for Scott Huff. It makes no sense. Yeah. It is totally nonsensical. They didn't either let those guys compete in camp or give a, a transfer here, yeah. uh, bring a transfer in here, rather. Yeah, just like, just one or two would be fine, just to, <laughs> just to bolster yeah. a little bit, yeah. Like, they, they, like, their line was pretty good last year, but they did allow some interior pressure up the middle. And it's going to be worse this year. And like Penix is good on the move, but it's still a quarterback on the move, right? Yeah, it's still and, a step and he's normal. and you. This is not a guy you want to be taking a, a ton of hits. Like he has an injury history. It's not. He's not a huge guy. He's tall, but he's not. You don't. You want to keep him upright as much as you possibly can. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's. I mean, he just also already has some injury history, right? He was yeah. hurt quite a few times in his past. Like, you just want to keep this guy clean. Yeah. And I'm worried they didn't take it seriously enough. Like, this, this to me, like, Washington has the talent on offense. That if they fixed their interior line and took secondary a little more seriously, um, they could push for a playoff berth. Like, yeah. they're that good. Yeah. Uh, they should definitely be playing for a Pac-12 title or have the potential to. Again, it's a very competitive group at the top. But, like, they did not attack the roster in the right way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would also, I and you know this, I have, I'm on the record as thinking that this is roughly a playoff level team if they can fill some spots. Um, I think that they are absolutely good enough to do that. It is, that's the question though, really, is is one, can they keep yeah. Penix upright? And two, uh, can the defense do anything? Can the defense get anything going? Yeah. And now you need a lot more luck to make that happen because like every team needs luck obviously like unless you're like again a georgia or bama roster even those guys need luck the amount of like good breaks you're hoping for now if you're washington is pretty tremendous yep um yep yep for sure you want to talk about the defense yeah um they finished 48th or worse in sp plus f plus scoring defense total defense yards per play passing defense and turnovers forced um they were 70th or below and more than half of those um (laughs) As, as far as power five teams go, they were pretty much outright bad on defense. Yeah. Um, the good news is, again, this is a two, four, five. A lot of teams are in two, four, five in the Pac-12 for some reason, um, probably because they can't get any beef. But uh, they have three of the top four tackles back. Um, 
the edge rushers, I think, and the linebackers uh, got more talented uh, by some young guys kind of stepping up and some bad players getting out of here. Um, I think there's reason for optimism in the defensive front. I think it'd be a good defensive front. They can get after the passer here. They can improve. The secondary, I don't know. Cook has gone at deep safety. They moved. They had basically two co-starters at nickel they used positionally. Um, Dominique Hampton was one of them. He's going to the deep safety role. Um, Cameron uh, Fabulanen will stay there. Uh, and then Asa Turner is the boundary safety as we're coming back. Um, those guys are all just like deeply average players, like no playmaking from any of them, just nothing really cooking there. Um, you mentioned Jabbar Muhammad, who's good. And besides that, they run a Juco player and Thaddeus Dixon, who's probably going to start too. I just think the secondary probably got worse from last year. Um, the pass rush, I'll cover that up, but I think this defense is the same or worse than last year. Yeah. Yep. I think that that's fair. It's basically this team is last year's Tennessee team, which is weak in interior line, um, too bad a secondary. You have enough firepower that on the right night you can take out like a championship contender. Definitely, like they could beat USC, no question. Like you can argue you favor them. They yeah. could probably beat like Ohio State or or Alabama on the right night. Yeah, you know? I, I think they could but, beat basically anybody, but they're probably going to fuck up once or twice. Probably twice. Yeah. yeah. Let's because see. yeah, let's talk about yeah. the schedule here real quick. Um, <clears throat> so open the season, Boise State at home, Tulsa at home, at Michigan State, and home against California. Um, that's four wins, pretty comfortably, right? I, I, I guess at Michigan State maybe could make things interesting. No, but no I'm gonna, chance. I'm going to be no honest. Uh, those guys suck. I don't think that those. Guys After reading Dan's preview of Michigan State, no, I'm good. Yeah. Um, next up is at Arizona. Oregon at home, Arizona State at home, and at Stanford. That is three sure wins. So you're sitting at seven. Um, Oregon. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> they're going to beat. They're going to win at Arizona, Arizona State, and at Stanford. They're going to win those games. Those are three sure. They wins. did lose to Arizona State last year. You're you're looking at the schedule wrong. It's not. Am I? You said. Oh oh oh. oh you said three. Oh, I misunderstood you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying that's Sorry. three sure wins, and then Oregon is in there as well. Um, at at home. I, I, I don't have a great can, for that. I think they could win. I cannot game. see this team. I do not see this team going into November being eight. No. Why not? I don't know, dude. Does it feel right to you? Does it spiritually feel correct? I mean, they can. Fine, we'll do it. We'll do it. Fuck it. We'll do a they lot. They can only Fuck play. It. They can only play the teams who are on their schedule, and they're heavily favored in almost all of these games except for the Oregon game. You're right. You're right. And that's fair. And I'll, I'll, but I'll say this too, like just the way they play football and the way they don't really have a, you know, a competent secondary led to them losing an inexplicable game to Arizona state last year. Yeah. And I don't think it's impossible for them to do that to like Cal or Arizona yeah. or, or Oregon this year or Michigan state. Um, even. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's impossible or Boise state even. I don't think Boise state's going to be all that good this year, but uh, yeah, yeah, they, they could, they absolutely could fuck up. Um, I, I think that, if you wanted to say seven and one coming out of this start and you don't know where that one loss comes from, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that. I think that would be fair. I think that if you're picking the game straight up, it's eight. No, I think they, they should, uh, if we're just talking about football games that are being played on the football field, they should win all eight of these games. I think, okay. I think I agree with you. I think you're right. I will 
I will acquiesce. We'll say eight no. Yeah. With the caveat, as we look into the November, they're losing two of these last. Yeah, they're four. yeah they're going to lose two of at USC, Utah at home, at Oregon State, and Washington State at home. They're going to lose two of those games. I don't know yeah. which two. I could see Oregon State like a rainy night in Corvallis in late November. Yeah. Just making them fucking miserable with like two hundred and thirty-five yards rushing. Yeah. Danny I, Martinez. Yeah, I could see the 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 back to back uh the like the shotgun kill shot of Utah at home and at Oregon State just knocking them out of the playoff with back to back losses. That's not impossible to see that. Not at all. Um although I guess if they beat Oregon and USC and finish ten and two, they're probably going to the Pac twelve title game. Yeah. Well, that would be fine. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't have any issue with that. I, w- I would be yeah I, w- I would like to see my enemies fail. That would be good. It'd be nice to see Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll see All right, ten and two ten and two at the Pac twelve title birth. Okay. Yep, let's finish up here. Let's talk about Washington State real quick. All right. Um, hmm. So, going to 2022, Dickert lost seven of his 10 assistants at Wazoo. Okay. And then he lost four more this offseason, oh. uh, which are defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach. Uh, it's the second time in two seasons he's hiring new guys in all those positions. Um, <laughs> the they hell? also lost defensive run game coordinator, A.J. Cooper. It's a lot of turnover. Yeah, what the hell? Um, that's really that's not usually how it works for a for a brand new head coach like this. <laughs> no, I guess it, to his credit, Brian Ward is probably a beneficial loss. Like he, that guy sucks. We talked yeah. about the Arizona State preview. Yeah. Um. They they brought in uh Jeff Schmetting, who was a coordinator at Auburn and Boise State, was mm-hmm. decent the latter. Um, Frank Malley also from Boise State will be taking over at uh the edge position. Yeah. Um. There are there are so many Miley's out there playing defensive line in the, on the West Coast. Yeah. There's a million Miley's playing defensive line. So I think he has to know what he's doing. He was at Utah State. He was actually he was the interim when the whole Gary Anderson thing happened in 2020 and a lot of people wanted him to be the head coach. Um Let's go. He's a he's a good ball coach. Yeah, um they, their big OC hire last year was Eric Morris who was the uh, incarnate or, or yeah, incarnate word OC previously. Yeah. He came in with Cam Ward. Um He's now the North Texas head coach, which is just a truly inexplicable hire for North Texas because he was not very good. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, they they ranked 80th in scoring 85th plays by all that hype. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was their whole thing is like being a, they're just doing what like Arizona does. They just couldn't even do that. Yeah. Um, they do bring in Ben Arbuckle, who I think is probably a better version of the same coach, but it's, it's just also get an identical philosophical hire. Yeah. Um, does he is he bringing, also is he bringing Garfield with him? He is not. Ah. That's no good. <laughs> no. Um, I will another credit to Dickert here again. Uh, Joel Falani flirted for a job for the second season in a row. This time was Texas for the receivers coach. Did not get the job, but Dickert did not bring him back and replace him. Okay. And he ended up losing the game of musical chairs and being the passing game coordinator for Northern Arizona. Oof. Um, Tough scene. That's, you know, dance the one you're with, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, they brought in Nick Edwards to replace him. He was an assistant for the for the Falcons. I don't really know anything about him. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about with him. You're not a big Falcons guy. No. Not a not, um, a not a huge Nick Edwards guy. No, not not big on him. <laughs> yeah, careful you say that name. Um, then <laughs> offense, they do lose three of their top six offensive linemen, uh, including like two of their only good ones, but also Jared Kingston, the guy who transferred to USC. Yeah. Um, they lost their top four wide receivers. Uh, they are intact everywhere else on offense. Cam Ward's back. Yeah. Um, there were some funny comments from Ben Arbuckle, who I assume is based on the tree he comes from, has to know Eric Morris, right? Those guys are out of the same like discipline. Yeah. Yeah. They have to know each other. I would assume. And he was basically like talking a lot of shit 
on uh on cam ward's like footwork just basically saying it's it's stunning anyone let him play the football this long with his bad of footwork mm-hmm. uh and his throwing motion and just like basically critique <laughs> everything about him great i do want to say by the way there were a lot of guys that argue with online who styled themselves as like smart football guys including some people that i am nominally like friends with in the football community who were cam ward truthers that he was an nfl draft pick last year I want to say, I told you, motherfuckers, that guy does not have the goods. Yeah. Um, and like, maybe he could yeah. at some point if someone coaches him, but I think those comments are spot on that. Yeah. He looked like he hasn't been coached. He played like he has not been coached. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway congratulations, North Texas. Good hire. Well done. Yeah. Awesome job. Uh, they do get Nikia Watson back in the backfield too. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. He's um, fine. I don't know. He's pretty good. Uh, Ugh, I don't know. He's pretty much is who he is though. He's in year six now. It's kind of just the same guy he's always been. Yeah. He's, um, he's fine. I don't, I don't have super high hopes for this offense. I don't really know. I don't really know why they're still trying to do this. I don't really know why they're still trying to do the air raid tree. It, it seems like the me rest, neither. I'll, it seems like I'll, the rest I'll, of the I'll program say, isn't really built for that anymore. Like this is sort of a defense. No, it's this not. is kind of a defense yeah. program now. And, and they have a good running back too, but yeah. the whole thing here, I will say our will also like, Man, to his credit, he's talked some shit to say this job on Morris. I, he must not like that guy yeah. because he's also critiqued his red zone decision making. Basically, said <laughs> like reviewing the film last year, he thought that they left a ton of points at the table yeah. because Eric Morris like just refused to run the ball even in the red zone. Yeah, um, this guy's like just, I'll say that is funny. This guy's gonna suck ass. You don't come in and do that. That's not gonna. This is gonna come back to bite him. This is Probably, a, yeah. that is a horrible <laughs> idea. To, to I do like, like oh, well, the old guy was a uh, moron. We're going to be top fifteen. We're going to be awesome. We left us. So, we left so many points on the board. Like that's a really good way to to be even worse. <laughs> I, I I think that's fair. I think my prediction for this offense is like a top sixty group, um, maybe top fifty, which is a big improvement. Like I think if they're doing that, that's a step forward and clear growth. And I think that like that's possible just based on competency. And Arbuckle having more success than Morris ever did at this level. Yeah. Um, uh, the defense. Okay. So, like, uh, I, I mean, I like their defensive ends, right? Ron, Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson are really good players. Yeah. Um, I will give them that. Uh, they lose four of their top five linebackers in both starting defensive tackles. Uh, they also lost two starters in the secondary. Um, they had a pretty breakout defense last year and get just five of those guys back, two of whom are defensive end. Um, that's not awesome. Uh, I think they should be pretty good against the pass between those defensive ends, adding to pass rush. And um, I think they have pretty good secondary coaching. Um, the corner group is is strong. It is really thin. They don't have scholarship players there. I think it's like six scholarship players for corner. Yeah. Um, but the the middle of the defensive safety is pretty impressive. Um, or sorry, rather, l- let me correct myself. The middle of the defense is where it's not impressive. Okay. Uh, the defensive tackles are gone. Again, four of those top five linebackers. Um, they, they have, uh, two of their three safeties gone. Like, uh, I just don't really see, like, you can just attack the middle of the field, both on the ground and through the air because it's defense all day, which is very hard to come back from. Yeah. Like, I, I do like, that's it. yeah, you mentioned the corners. I do like Cam Lampkin who transferred in. He was a mountain West guy. Um, but yeah, there's just not a ton going on in the middle of this defense. And I feel like the, the best case scenario for this team is that their defense is a little worse than it was last year. And their offense is a little better, which I don't really know where that gets you. It seems like it's going to be a big change in what they were doing from, from a year ago in terms of actual production. Yeah. Probably just the same thing, right? Probably just the whole, 
Yeah, let's let's roll through it here. Then <laughs> let's roll through this schedule, and then we'll get out of here before the third hour of the podcast starts. Um, Jesus. <laughs> uh, at Colorado State to open the season, and then Wisconsin at home, Northern Colorado at home, and Oregon State at home is the next four. Um, that's probably two, two and, and four. Two. two and two, right? Or two and two. Yeah, sorry, two, two. and two. Um, then it is at UCLA, which is presumably a loss. Um, or Arizona at home, so three and three and three there. Um, yep. At Oregon. Three and four at Arizona State, probably four and four, right? Yeah, four and four. Yeah. Stanford at home, five and four at Cal. I think we said that was going to be a Cal win, right? Yeah, so that's five and five. Five and five. Then, and then six and six because it's Colorado at home and at Washington. Very, very much. I think a- basically every week all season they're alternating win loss, win loss, win loss, except for at Arizona State, then Stanford. That'll be fun. That'll be. I'm sure that'll be fun for all involved in that they're going to lose another seven <laughs> coaches this offseason. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seems like Dick was just an asshole, right? He must be. I don't. I I have no idea. I have no knowledge at all of. Jay neither Dick do I. Neither do I. But if, <laughs> if you're, here's what I'll say: is if you're losing that many coaches that often, yeah, and something must then be the, the coaches you hire feel emboldened to come out and talk shit about the guy you had before them. Yeah, it probably does not speak well to the culture you have among your coaches and no. the way you view each other. No, that is a little bit troubling when you hire a new OC and the first thing that he does is shit talk the old OC and then also say that his quarterback is bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. I think I think basically like the thing that's benefiting Washington State here is they're pretty clearly the middle class, the Pac-12, which is basically just like three teams is it even three is it two teams like it's yeah. the, the upper class of the that's three teams the, the middle class of pac 12 is arizona cal and wazoo okay with like the upper middle class being ucla and oregon state and the upper class being washington oregon usc and utah yeah and then obviously the dog shit teams of stanford colorado arizona state that's everyone right yeah uh, who cares Stanford. Yeah, it's everyone. Stanford's Whatever. in there somewhere. Yeah. 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 Um, when you have a league like that, like it, like being a competent team, even if you're not great in anything, just being like relatively well coached with some NFL players in your roster means that you're going to find a way to a bowl game, I think. Yeah, I think that that's a fair expectation. They'll find a way to get to a bowl game. Um, all right, let's get out of here. We will uh, we'll be back actually pretty shortly with uh, the, the, the special – the uh, Q and a with Bill Landis that you mentioned. And we are, uh, we said at the beginning yeah. of the show, four hours ago, uh, we're getting going here. We're rolling. We're into the season. Yeah. Back 12 preview is in the books. We got two more conference previews left. Um, I think big 10 and sec. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely going to find a way to get those done somehow before next week. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, we can, we'll, we'll, I'm uh, looking forward to my Sunday. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be good. Yeah, we love that. Uh, um, all right, cool. We'll catch you guys soon.